0: Everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Just End the Suffering podcast, featuring New York Sports Talk from a Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We've got a great show for you this week. Baseball's opening day is finally here. Not counting that Japan series last week. We have first pitch in every other game this week on Thursday. Okay, dive all into the baseball today, lots of stuff, but we also have a lot of Marge Madness to talk about. The NCAA tournament, the first two rounds are in the books, the sweet 16 is set. I'm going to be joined today by Donald Moria of the Hartford Current. He covers UConn College basketball for the Current. And he was actually at the first two rounds, the first round games that were held in Hartford, Connecticut. So he saw John Morant up close. He saw the end of the Villanova run. Talk to Donald about that in this week's show. And obviously, a lot of baseball. The baseball beat is back. Will Schneiderhan, Anthony Sarbellini are here. They're going to break down the latest news ahead of opening day. And as we promised a couple weeks back, we're going to make our predictions for the season who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to win the major awards, who's going to win the World Series, all that good stuff coming up today. Show me the money. Also back again for a baseball over-under edition. I'll be joined by my friend Phil Fragetta, who we recorded this part, I think last week, right after the Seattle Mariners' first game. So we have over-under picks for you if you want to make some bets before the season starts. And last but not least this week, we have the Fan Forum, a brand new segment debuting where... We're going to bring together some fans of the local team. We're going to discuss some of the issues. We'll debut that today with the Mets. I have some interesting guests lined up for that. We'll talk to them later in the show. But we'll get it all started with our opening tip where the baseball beat's coming in. Talk about the beginning of the season right after this. This ball is crushed. It's time for the baseball beat all right and we're back with the baseball beat opening day just around the corner finally getting here on thursday i'm not counting what happened in japan last week that's not really opening day that's just some (laughs) dumb experiment mlb does to make extra money but, as always, I'm joined by the guests from the baseball beat. First up, Will Schneiderhand, who's had a two-week break for the podcast, so it's over to, you to get you back on. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also with us, as always, Anthony Sorbellini. Anthony, how are you?
1: Good, Mike. How are you doing? Good to be back.
0: Great, great good to be back. First of all, how
2: excited are you guys opening day is finally here? Thank God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. No, s- seriously. God. <laughs> like it. Part of me wanted to watch some of those the games in uh, Japan, or and, and I was like, this is it's just not the same. Oh, I just couldn't get, watch me, it. To Thursday, or get the me to o- th- yeah. Thursday.
1: The only thing it was good for was just seeing Ichiro like back in Japan playing, yeah. and, like his little send off. That yep. was nice, but other than that, like you said, Mike, and you too, Will, like opening day doesn't start till Thursday.
0: I'm psyched. <laughs> this is the real opening day, not the fake opening day. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I'm so excited for baseball though, because it, especially for us back fans, we waited since late September to get baseball again. So
2: it's been it's been a <laughs> long time coming. For Mets though, I was I've been waiting since what July actually maybe. <laughs> I mean yeah. I mean in terms of <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> since last opening, nah. <laughs> relevant baseball, yes. Nah, I like, know, nah, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: We had the day of right day at the end of last year. That so was was at least something. <laughs> exciting, yeah, and they played well down the stretch. Of the Mets got last us year. through. Yeah, yep. Yep. And the Yankees won 100, and then they ran into the buzz It was the Boston Red Sox in the playoffs. So
1: yeah, unfortunately. But you know what? I mean, I'm such a baseball fan that I watch baseball all year round. I don't really care about yeah. the Yankees. I mean, I do care about the Yankees, but I mean, they lost big. I mean, yeah, it sucked. But I mean, I still watch the rest of the team.
0: Yeah, speaking of the Yankees, they made some news over the last week. They signed Gio Gonzalez to a minor league contract, but like he has incentives. Basically, he's going to make three millions on the roster. He gets, I think, bonuses for every starts he makes. So, Anthony, mm-hmm. how do you think that deal fits for them?
1: I mean, I think it's just a good signing because they're so so injury riddled already. Like yeah. Severino's not going to be ready for opening day. Uh, Sabathia probably yeah. won't be ready either. That's just we're just that depleting rotation is just dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> it's just we, need, we to, need an arm. <laughs>
2: you're talking to two guys that know a lot about that. <laughs> like, yeah. And I tell you, I, I um, <clears throat> part of me with like Yankee fans, some Yankee fans who are like obnoxious about the mm-hmm. Mets injuries. I was like, well, like I always tell people, like. Just be wary of what's in, you know, worry about oh, what's yeah. under your roof, and that's one hundred percent it. Like exactly, yeah. Because I remember there are a lot of Yankee fans laughing when Fraser uh, when yeah. Fraser and Lowry got hurt in the yeah. first like, week of
0: camp. And oh yeah, like, ha, 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 that's and then, just the way Yankee fans. And, and, then, <laughs> and then and then and then within a week, both Severino and Hicks were on
2: the shelf. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, just weird how contagious that stuff yeah. is. Like like one guy goes down, you're like, whatever. Like let's write the ship. Boom, another and big piece. Just, and yeah. you're like, next thing you know, Gio Gonzalez. And it feels like that
1: only happens for baseball. Yeah, it's just as it keeps going.
2: Yeah, no, I actually agree. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's very crazy there. I mean, that, that's that deal the Mets should have been all over. Gio Gonzalez on a minor league contract. But for they, one year. For one year. <laughs> I'm but,
1: surprised more teams weren't after him Because that. at
0: first, he didn't, he didn't want one year, right? Yeah, yeah he didn't even get a big league contract. He got a minor league deal, but he figures mm-hmm. he's get up to the Yankees because they have so oh, many injuries. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go back go to the Mets for a second here. Obviously, it looks, the big, one of the big surprises in them is it looks like Pete Alonso is going to make the roster on opening day, which, Will, what are
2: your thoughts on that? i i don't care about the super two or whatever it is yeah. like keeping his because they can still manipulate that anyway yeah. during the season yeah but my thing is like <laughs> call me like whatever okay whatever maybe i'm a too big of a fan of dom smith but it's not even that i just want to see guys get their due right yeah. and like he came up he was overweight he, that was really his only sh- shot last yeah. year he didn't have a shot uh yeah. he had the sleep apnea issue like I don't understand why you wouldn't just give him a shot. He's tearing it up. He's a better defensive player. And what? Alonzo's going to, here's your first two major league games. Go hit against Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. I just, as and it's, I'm not knocking one or favoring one over the other. I just like, to be completely honest, like, I just think Dom Smith still has a higher ceiling. And I think he's a better, a more dynamic hitter. That's just me. I think Alonzo's got the pop. He's kind of like that sexy thing that fans are buying into. But in my mind, I would have won with Dom, no doubt. Yeah, my
0: thing with that, I think the thing to separate him was just that he's right-handed. Yes, and they, that, yes, Their life was so lefty-heavy with McNeil, with Nimmo, with Confora, with Robbie Cano. The only no, real, I agree. The only real righty bat in that life right now is Wilson Ramos with Frazier, and Lowry's switching ability hurts. So, like, I can yeah. see why they want
2: Alonzo. No, I agree. I agree with that, too. It's just uh, If they do, like, a true platoon, platoon like, obviously you can't just do right-left because... You don't face enough lefties to really yeah. do that. Um, and I think Alonzo can hit right as well. But I don't know. If they do like a 50 50 thing or like a defensive replacement late in the game, I just I would like to see Dom actually play. That's my thing.
0: Yeah, Dom is also taking it for left field some as well. If he, makes, if he makes the roster. Yeah. The fact that like we're going to have that experiment again. I was going <laughs> to say, doesn't that sound exactly like
2: Lucas Duda and like Davis 2.0? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, God. That was something. Lucas Duda was a barbaric outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well,
0: don't don't give me nightmares. I remember, I remember last year in the summer that one play where he had like, he just botched the ball in the extra innings. And they lost the game. Is that when <laughs> Rosario? When Rosario was hit yep. him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get let's move on from Don for a minute. Let's go to extension season. It's still going on. More guys are getting extensions. Let's hit out some of the extensions in baseball right now. The big one, obviously, Mike Trout is not going to go to Philly with Bryce Harper in two years. He's signed with extension with the Angels, twelve years. Four hundred thirty million dollars. Yeah. No opt-outs. Oh Anthony, your thoughts?
1: God, well, I mean, there goes any hope that the Yankees had of signing him. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if I want to say like good for the Angels, like, yeah. but I mean, good for Mike Trout. I mean, I kind of like the uh, mentality. If i mean for Trout, like, stay with the team that you, that you came up with. You don't see, you don't see that too much anymore.
2: Yeah, it's like a, it's one of those legend things, right? Yeah, I mean, this guy's a legend. Like, there's,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's so funny. It's just so like when you look at stuff, like he's on pace to shatter ult like the hits record mm-hmm. and like the home run i mean like he may not do either of those he may do one over the other but like regardless like it's great to see that this guy's getting paid like a generational player because mm-hmm. he is a generational player yeah and nobody's way top that content for a long time at four, 12 4 30 the way the game no. is going yeah my, my opinion on it too was just kind of like uh like i think What this does, though, is like kind of like what you're saying. Like, it caps it, right? Right. Like, listen, nobody is worth more than him. Nobody is worth 430. And I think baseball is kind of worried that it was going to kind of creep that way with Mm -hmm. all the Machado and Harper stuff. But now it's like kind of what you're saying. Like, listen, you better be.
1: Money, like, like
2: ticketed to Cooperstown yeah. to be getting four hundred and thirty million dollars, and I do. I think that saves baseball's butt a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I mean, going off Mike Trout, once generation, how often do you see a player be a first ballot Hall of Famer yeah. within his first three yeah. to five years? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, Never. he's he's like, he is a incredible. Monster. He's
0: incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's fantastic. Let's also go through some of the other extensions. Alex Bregman signs with the Astros, six years, hundred million dollars. Will, what's your take on that one?
2: Yeah, it's a kind of, and I'm sure you know. I know we're going to talk about the other ones, but it's team's you know it's smart these are smart moves you're buying out those club control years where yeah maybe you're not going to pay him that much in the next year but like by the back end of those arbitration years you're basically creeping up around there anyway so it makes sense get him on a value contract make him happy you're happy and everybody happy everyone's happy i feel like
1: bregman's kind of like the unsung like leader for the astros i mean yeah Yeah. you have correa and altuve but bregman kind of slides underneath the radar he
2: has surpassed correa in my mind he absolutely has correa Mm -hmm. is never on the field and last year when he was he wasn't that good bregman right. is like mm-hmm. another like one of those like you know like we've all watched baseball we've played mm-hmm. baseball like he's a hell of a player yeah. hard-nosed player does everything well and he's like a sneaky mvp guy yeah. last year he had a great year i mean that's yeah. a, that's a one steal of a contract yeah that, I think that's a great
0: contract as well there's another steal of a contract blake snell five yeah. years fifty million dollars <laughs> in insane. tampa bay Anthony, what are your thoughts on that one? I
1: mean, good for Tampa. They're known for, like, not keeping all their players, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But, I mean, just as a, a small clubhouse, a small club team, just just keep all the guys. I mean, like, it's a steal. for ten, ma- Yeah, 10 a year. I mean, that's, yeah. He's going to be a top three Cy Young candidate for the next uh, – for the duration of that contract. You would hope, right,
2: least. yeah. And I think it does give, like, that leeway. Like, if he implodes and, you know, yeah. then it's like, ah, whatever. Like, I don't think he's going to implode, yeah, see, but I just mean, in case. Just what
1: he did last year in the, in the AL East yeah. is –
2: Oh, in those ballparks against those teams, yeah. yeah. Here's the one the Met fans
0: are going to keep an eye on. It's going yeah. to be a comparison DeGrom. Chris Sale gets a five-year 145 extension from the Red Sox. He's he going to be free agent after this year, so he had one less year of control than DeGrom did. But, Will, I feel like that's such a huge price marker. I feel like that's also part of the reason why this DeGrom thing has not gotten done yet. Because they, yeah. they, they see this number, and Degrom saying, you know what, like... I'm less injured than he is right now. Like, I've been healthy. Why, yeah. why shouldn't I get paid that level? You took
2: the words right out of my yeah. mouth. It <laughs> means it means I'm worth more than yeah. that, right? That's yeah. 100% what you're yeah, because yeah. it is. It's Chris Sale – like, I was listening to, the, to WFAN coming in. Like, Chris Sale was hospitalized last year for, like, mm-hmm. that unknown reason. Like, his shoulder was like, – and – yeah, here's 100, you know, 40, whatever it was. And Degrom, I think Degrom clears 150. I don't think he flies up that, but it is. I think that's a snafu right now. Is is uh, I think there is maybe work towards an offer. Then this happened, and both sides were like
1: retracted. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: All right, Anthony. This one's the interesting. Well, I think the most interesting one on the board here: the White Sox signing Eli yeah. Jimenez before he's played a big league game. Six years, $43 million, the two club options can make it an 8-177 contract. So, like, what was your reaction when you saw that one?
1: Why? <laughs> <laughs> Simply just why? Not, yeah. I mean, I, I literally, that, that was the one move that kept me just scratching my head. And still, like, even to, like, I don't even know why you would do that right now. I mean, he hasn't
0: played yeah. a game. Exactly. There's no, <laughs> yeah.
1: like, I'm a big yeah. proponent for, like, you're worth what you're worth. Like, if he hasn't played a game yet, why are you giving him all this money? Because
2: it was last year we saw Philly do this, and it completely backfired. Because yeah. Kingry is yeah. – no, I mean, he might just fall completely out of, like, favor there. Yeah. Um, But I, I think this is another one of those – like, we're seeing so many trends being set this mm-hmm. offseason, like buying out club control years, extending guys, not letting them hit free agency, and now this. Yeah. But I do – I think it's kind of bold. I mean, we've mm. seen it. Like, Rosny Castillo came over, and the Red Sox – you know, I guess it's kind of different, Yeah. but, like, he was a nightmare. Yeah. Like, like Miguel Sanu, I think, didn't he kind of sign a long term? I might be wrong on that. I think he signed some form of a deal, yeah. I thought. Sanu and- had,
1: like, a mid-year contract. Right. Somewhere in the three to five range. Right, right? And, yeah. he, and, I
2: mean, he's not – where. and, I mean, you know, you never know. It's not like a – I mean, that's a big chunk of change if yeah. that doesn't work out. <laughs>
1: For the White Sox, too? Yeah, like-
2: yeah. I think it was kind of like, hey, we missed out on these guys, but we're still you – know, we'll yeah. be here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, plus now they've not put him on the open eight roster because now he's don't have to worry about service time because he's already locked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's got all the potential in the world, but like, like people say, you know, prospects are like lottery tickets. You never mm-hmm. know what you're going to get. Yeah, you never know where you're going to get. One guy you
0: know who you're going to get out of him is Justin Verlander. He just signed yeah. a two-year, $66 million extension yesterday with the Astros. And it's an interesting one because he was saying for a while he's going to go year to year. Yeah. He, yeah. he was going to sign one-year contracts the rest of his career. But the Astros get the job done, get him two for 66 to stay beyond this
1: year. I think that was a good move for them. I, I love it, move. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolute great move. I mean, he was the reason they won that World Series. Oh, he came with, over Out a of doubt. doubt. Fantastic. They'd completely change. I mean, the team was good before he got yeah. there, but – just that mentality just instantly changed that clubhouse immediately and just the way he was performing i just
2: yeah they may have paid you know like when you look at it oh that's a lot of money but it's two years that team's still in that window yeah Yeah. why not do it yeah highest aav
0: for a pitcher ever he passes Granky's number there which Mm -hmm. is nice and now we gone through extension season and you know who's missing Jacob DeGrom still sitting on the sideline waiting for his contract extension. He still has not come yet. Mm-hmm. And DeGrom was asked about this the other day after his final start of the spring against the – I forget who it was. It doesn't even matter because it's exhibition league game. He yeah. pitched, he pitched well, <laughs> it like, was Atlanta, I think, right? Yeah, he pitched like, like four scoreless innings in that game, yeah. something like that. So here's what DeGrom had to say about his contract situation.
3: I mean, you see guys signing. Yeah. Uh, I think I see him too. So, um, you know, I guess we wait. What do we you
2: stand there? You. I'm
3: sorry? Where do things stand there for you? Um, You know, we're, we haven't reached anything yet. Are you still optimistic? Probably not as. we we'll just have to see.
2: That's not exactly the tone you want your ace to have entering the season. That's probably as, like, the most aggressive, though, yeah. he would ever get, right? Yeah. Though? And that's when you know he's... Kind of pissed. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: he sounds like he's so upset. Like, he just sounds like he's just about the verge of tears. I don't think I've ever heard him sound like that.
2: Yeah, he rarely Yeah. I mean, it's just like. Pay the guy. Yeah. Do like five for 150 160 yeah. Call it a day. Yeah. Like I think that's why he's most frustrated. It's like I'm not mm-hmm. asking you for three hundred million dollars, yeah. yeah. and he's worth it too. Yeah.
1: It's not like he's one of these just kind of like okay, anomaly yeah. pitchers like have yeah. two, one, two good years. No, like, yeah. He's been solid. His it makes pro out career
2: so much sense. I know we talked about it for I don't want to get a tangent, yeah. but it's so much sense to do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. He's only getting older. You're not going to pay him a six year deal when he's 33 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, just do it now. <laughs> it's it's not rocket science. No. This is, <laughs> this is what I don't get because
0: I saw a meme the other day about this perfectly where, like, it bases up the ground. move where they show, like, a SpongeBob meme of, like, SpongeBob and Patrick Frocking outside and showing basically put all the names of the guys that got extensions on them. <laughs> and they show it's to Grom staying in the front uh, of yeah. watching yeah. them play outside. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it's true. It's, it's true. true. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Like, this is nothing that just drives you crazy in the Mets. It's like, they, again, think that, like, they don't have to do what the rest of the league does. And, like, mm-hmm. they're the only team. They have players here that can sign up extensions besides the Grom. You have Noah Syndergaard could benefit from one. They should have both of them. Those Michael two. Conforto mm-hmm. could be, be extended. Like, even if you want to do what Tampa does, hyper aggressive, extend a guy like, like, i um, at Rosario, like, do something like that. But nope. They're going to let these guys play out their deals. And this is the dumbest strategy. That means their guy's going to get paid a
2: money if they hit the open market.
1: The Mets are just trying to like set their own like trend, and it's just going to end up backfiring. Because
2: yeah, yeah. anytime, anytime that checkbook has to be broken out, the, the Will Pond sit back. You know the visions of mm-hmm. Johan mm-hmm. Santana and yeah. Cespedes roll through. David Wright. I mean, get it, like none of these big contracts ever really work. For, so it's for, not just them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it, if you're going to sign anybody long term, yeah, it's it, him. Yes, yeah. he has like like 800 or so no 800 almost maybe maybe 500 less innings on his arm than chris sale does that's, i mean it's it's that's, that's like absurd he's fresh this yeah. guy's fresh seriously
0: just get it done Mets. we'll, we'll talk about that later yeah. on in the show we're gonna get deeper into that with some more met people later in the show but let's get to our reason we're here now we're gonna make some predictions for the season so let's start off here anthony who you have as your american league mvp
1: uh you know what i'm thinking it's gonna be aaron judge i think you know he's injury free i mean he's tearing up spring training right oh, now yeah. he is just i just i'm trying not to be a homer for the yankees but i mean he's just just doing what he's doing well, i mean is, there's only
2: two guys really who are yeah, gonna win it right and i think you don't have to be a homer to say th- yeah, judge there's three you it's just. Bet, bets, it, yep. right? yeah 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 it's
4: just,
0: well it's i am a, you're doing. not being homer i took aaron judge as well i feel <laughs> like he's gonna have a, a monstrous year last, this year and like Last year, Mookie Betts had just a historic season, yeah. which is yeah, why well, no. well, he's – The odds of him dupe that again are yeah. so low. I feel oh, like yeah. Aaron Judge, if he gets to, gets a 50-homer season again, I think he's got it. Well, uh, Judge, uh,
2: Judge was robbed his yeah. rookie year, by yeah. the way. Yeah. He should have won MVP that year. Oh. <laughs> like, it wasn't been yeah. close. Who
0: won that year? I'll Who, too you know, Yeah, that was another one. I feel like it was just a Yankee hater kind oh, of deal. Was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It well. was. It was,
2: if we're giving him rookie of the year, he's not going to MVP. The mm. dude yeah. had 52
0: home runs.
2: <laughs> Okay, let's go to the let's go to the NL side. Will, who do you have for the NL MVP? Uh, Arenado. I think it's got to finally – every year it's like he's lighting it up and we always don't do it right. Yeah. And, like, I think he's going to get it. Dude's on f- – like, every year he's a lock for 30, 35 and, like, 120. I, I, I think he'll get it this year. Another guy, fresh contract under his belt. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get a, get an MVP this year.
1: I mean, I do like to know the Arenado pick, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's gonna be Goldschmidt. I Goldie's think a might, good pick. Did you, might. Did you, you copy my
2: picks? I had the same thing.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, Goldie, I had Goldie. He might sneak <laughs> yeah. in just a little bit, but I mean,
2: no Goldie. I, I would agree with that. Too. Another guy, new uh, yeah. con- contract under his belt. Mm-hmm. He's in St. Louis. I think it's a good pick too. I just. Every year, aeronados oh, like, It's just, like you're looking at him, and I know it's Coors Field. I know, I yeah. know. But you're always looking at his numbers. You're like, how the hell does this guy not win MVP? <laughs>
0: Yeah, we didn't even talked on the Goldsmith contract extension. That was another good move for the, for him in the and the oh, Cardinals. And we yes. knew that was coming as soon as he got traded there. He was not going to yeah. leave St. Louis. Yeah, uh, nobody hates St. Louis. <laughs> he
1: didn't even play a game in St. Louis. January to stay, yeah. yeah,
0: I think the only guy who left St. Louis willing was Jason Hayward, and that turned out to be a blessing for the Cardinals. <laughs> Given that contract he's anchoring the Cubs right now.
2: Well, they're trying to yeah. trade it, right? Hey, you overpaid for our outfielder. Here's <laughs> Dexter
0: Fowler. <Yeah.
5: laughs>
0: Yeah, so let's go on now to the Cy Young awards. Uh, I'm going to start off on this one. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to say that uh, Chris Sale is going to win the AL Cy Young this year. I feel like he's going to stay healthy this year, and now that he has this long term security. He'll come out, yeah. pitch well. Yeah. I think he's going to win it this like year for the Red that.
2: Sox. I got a dark horse. Who's your dark horse? Ho- Barrios, Jose Barrios from Minnesota. I think last year he showed fl- he's always right. He's he's kind of like one of those guys where he shows flashes. He can kind of pitch in. A, he's not in the American Wild Card, but but like he'll pitch a big game. I think this year he puts it together. I think Minnesota is one of those teams. I think I could see him just having one of those Blake Snell years. Comes out of nowhere, everything works together. New coach, new vibe around the team, and I think I think he can he can perform really well.
1: I'm going with Blake Snell. Repeat. I Think he's going to have a repeat. I really think yeah. he is. I mean, just what he did last year. The fact that it was in the American League East is just. Oh no! If you, yeah, it's phenomenal. That's a confidence boost. It's <laughs> just, he's just gonna walk in against
2: just, the Red Sox, who were so good exactly, last
1: year. Just the biggest <laughs> head on that mound. He's just gonna come at you. It's just.
0: Plus, you could probably spot in five wins against the Orioles. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> Damn, <just> yeah. The- <laughs> yeah.
2: American League uh, pitchers who are impending free agents might want to make sure they get those Orioles starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Let's go to the National League first now. Will, your turn. Give me the NL Cy Young winner. Who you got there? Is
2: I'll it- be honest. I did not put one down because I was like, but I, I do think Nola. I like Nola. I also do like um, Scherzer just yeah. because every year he's there. Um, I'm not like, yeah, what? I'm a Mets fan. I should say DeGrom. I just I think Nola is like another one of those guys where it's like he's coming. Those young guys, right? You yeah. know, you see these young pitchers where it's like they showed us a flash. Now mm-hmm. you got all that. You know, Phillies got a got a, got a uh, target on their back and all that. I, I like Nola. Nola pitched fantastically for a good chunk of last season. Yeah, I had Nola as well as on my, on my list. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> he's
0: just sort of going to take that leap this year. Anthony, you have anything different?
1: Yeah, I I think Kershaw's going to have a bounce back year. I mean, Even though
0: he's, you know he's gonna miss time at the start of the year.
1: Yeah, I know I know, but I still think that he's going to come in just still just do Kershaw.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean they, it's going to
1: be it's going to be a big thing cuz missing time in the yeah. beginning but that's going to be the overall thing, but I still think he's going to have cuz he re- really haven't I mean he's been so injured the past couple of years. Yeah. They've run yeah. him into the ground but, out yeah. there.
0: All right, we got that settled. Now let's go let's go to our playoff team prediction. So, are we all in agreement that the four big teams, in the Manor League are all going to make the playoffs again? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so who is the fifth
2: playoff team? Will we will go with you first? For that second wild card spot, yes. right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So I I'm sticking with the twins. I'm buying in. Um I think that's one of those um, you know, it's like a really top heavy division. Yeah. Uh they're gonna be able to go out and beat like the White Soxes of the world and so on. And Cleveland is really beatable too. Like like when I say what, second wild card, like they're gonna be fighting for that division. Yeah. I could see Cleveland even falling into that second wild card. Anthony, who do you have?
1: I'm going with the Rays. Yeah. I think they're going to come in, just sneak right in. I mean, they had a solid team last year, winning, what, 90? Yeah, so 90. 90? yeah, I mean, and to get, like, just not make the playoffs for that, but I think the Rays are going to surprise a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I'm signing with Will here. I'm taking the twins just because of the division. I feel like them playing the mm-hmm. Yankees and the Red Sox for the Rays is going to hurt them a lot. And yeah. I feel like the twins are going to beat up on those bottom three teams in the yeah. American League Central. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that. Oakland took enough a step back that they're going to be able to pass Oakland and get that second wild card spot and yeah. end up either in Yankee State or Fenway Park for the first round mm-hmm. for that one-game playoff. And hopefully... It- Will's guy Barry also pitched a good game for them.
2: Yeah, I have I have the Sox just branching off that Sox wall card. I think Yankees yeah. are going to beat him this year. So, yeah,
0: yeah I, we'll see him in yeah, maybe. I have the Yankees winning the East as well. Yeah, so. yeah I
1: think I do now too. Yep.
0: The Red Sox bullpen is too much of an issue for me. Yeah, yeah they're anyway. just
1: and plus last year was such a historic season for the Sox. that. they're going to regress. And JD Mar- sure. and JD Martinez is not going to do that again.
0: Okay, let's go to the National League now. This is the more fun league to begin. <laughs> so I think we have to go. We can't just assume teams are going to make again. So let's <laughs> start. Let's go division by division here. So. I'm going to start off. Nationally, East. i ain't taking Washington to win the division yep. this year. I think Bryce Harper being gone, I feel like they're, that the bad juju around that team is going to leave. I feel like they're going to w- find a way to win that
2: division. That's what mm-hmm. I have too.
1: It, I have the Phillies. I think they're going to catch a little bit of the Bryce magic. Even though, I mean, I don't think their main reason that the Nationals weren't like exceeding their meeting their expectations the past couple years with Bryce was, was Bryce's fault. I just think they relied on him too much. Yeah. yeah. But the Phillies are such a young team that they're just excited to play. I just, play.
2: I, I hate the Nationals as a disclaimer, like, despise <laughs> them yeah. just being a Mets fan, but. I think this is going to be like kind of what you're saying, Very much more dynamic team. We're going to see Victor Robles, mm-hmm. Juan Soto, Rendon still there. Pitching staff is still top tier. I, I don't think a lot of people are – it's so funny because the Nationals for, for five years were the team that everybody mm-hmm. overdid, right? They're going to win the World Series, yada, yada, yada. This year we're not hearing much about them, and I think right. this is one of their best teams they're going to have in a while. All right, National League Central, Anthony, who you got?
1: central i got the cardinals i think they're going to overtake the brewers and i just think i mean the addition of goldschmidt was just the biggest move that nobody's really talking about yeah uh, I, I that's the
2: best way to say it nobody's yep. talking about that yeah two for the cardinals sweep cubbies cubs. i think the cubs <laughs> are going to bounce back i think we're going to see a much better year from rezzo much better year from a healthy bryant i think ian Happ's going to click I, there's a lot of there's a it can go one way or another. Trust me, I know. Mm-hmm. Darvish, you never know, you know that Lester's aging, but I think they're gonna um, get it one more year with Madden. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the National
0: League West. I have the Dodgers. Anyone disagree? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, it's not even a <laughs> conversation.
2: <laughs> maybe because the, no, the Rockies mm-hmm. regress too okay. in my mind. Yeah. All right, so
0: let's let's make let's, we'll put the Dodgers through. Let's go to the wild cards. So who do you have as your two wild cards, Will?
2: Alright, so I do think the Mets get in In this instance I I do have the Phillies missing Because I think that bullpen is garbage To say the least I don't trust the bullpen I don't trust their starters outside of NOLA And I think that offense There's still a lot of guys who Mm -hmm. can go one way or another Uh, So I do think the Mets are going to win Because that pitching is When they're on, they're on Regardless who has an extension, who doesn't have an extension And I do think they're going to hit enough I think there's a lot of depth pieces there Where you can move guys around even, and especially against when you look at the team's strongest pitchers yeah. right it's mm-hmm. a very right-handed heavy pitching uh, division and like we kind of suggested before at Dom Smith the Mets have some really good left-handed hitters I, I, I and I like the Mets bullpen I do I think that they're gonna sneak in uh, and then I have the Brewers I do think the Brewers regressed yeah. um but I do think they're gonna right the ship maybe they get Kimbrel in there uh, but I think they're gonna jump in. Okay, I have the Mets making
0: it as well as the second wild card. I have them going to Coors Field, take on the
2: Rockies. Okay, that was my second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: just because that division is so bad that, like, so I like what happened with the Twins in the American League. The Rockies are going to pile up the Ws against the Giants. Especially uh, at home. Dodgers, yeah. I mean, Giants, Diamondbacks, and Padres. They're going to host the Mets in the wild card game. That could be a fun matchup with DeGrom going into Coors Field. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anthony, who do, you, who do you have as your wild cards?
1: Uh, my wild cards, I had the Rockies, too, and then I also have the Brewers. That should be a really, really fun.
0: It's funny nobody oh, brought God, the Braves yeah. up. Everybody's of excited the Braves
2: to go backwards.
1: I just I, I, last year was such. I think just a freak. They're thing. just ahead of schedule.
2: Like yeah. I, I don't want it to be negative that they're going backwards. Like theoretically they're regressing, but it's just because they caught lightning in a yeah. bottle yeah. and they're hot. I mean they still. I think they're still, like, like two years away from what they're going to be, like with Austin Riley, all the pitchers they have and so on.
0: All right, last but not least, World Series predictions. Anthony, who do you have going and who wins? Oh,
1: who do I have going? I think the Dodgers are going to get back again, and I want to say the Yankees. The Yankees are going. They're going. I think.
2: And you have the Yankees winning?
1: I think I have the Yankees winning.
2: So, as I kind of uh, foreshadowed before, I think the Nationals are actually going to get there this year. And I think it's going to be against the Yankees. And I do think the Yankees are going to win the World Series this year.
0: Yeah, I have the Nationals breaking through as well. I thought the Bryce Jenks was real. So yeah. I think <laughs> they could get there. But they are going to lose to the Houston Astros. I think the Astro Ooh. pitching. I think that's very underrated right now. The Yankees, I think, still have questions on that starting pitching staff. That's a huge problem in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, like think the the, pick, I think yeah. that's the one team that they can beat them in the playoffs right now. That's just, even, yeah.
1: even the Astros without Keichel?
0: Even without Keiko, I mean, they still have a lot of good arms on that team. Mm-hmm. No, no, no might come back.
2: I actually kind of feel better without Keuchel. I'll be honest because, like, I know uh, they have Josh James, right? Like, they have, like, a lot of those guys, like... If if you don't have to go for a you know Garrett Cole and Verlander game one two you can kind of bullpen your way through the rest of it they have yeah, like yeah. Uh, Marte I think yeah. Forrest Whitley might be hanging around out there I don't know if he's hurt yet but or he was hurt um but yeah they Houston's got a lot of bullets they can throw out there yeah, yeah.
0: all right there we have it those are our predictions for the season Anthony I know you're heading out now you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media some of the stuff you're up to
1: uh yeah on twitter i'm ant sorbellini a-n-t-s-o-r-b-e-l-l-i-n-i uh, still taking a lot of pictures on my instagram uh a sorbellini underscore photos uh started up writing for FanSided. had my first article go out last week uh, another one coming up two days so just yeah just keeping busy very nice will you're gonna be hanging around we'll be back at the end of the show we
0: do our met fan forum we have some met fans on with us but before i before we move on here
2: what is up with your bracket right now? How are you doing? Uh, well, I have like three, I think. Uh, I Honestly, our Yahoo one yeah. might be the worst one I did. Uh, one of them I did pick, pick UC Irvine, just a Hail Mary. thought it was Koya. Cool. Yeah, they won. Uh, most of them are kind of like everybody else's <laughs> right yeah. now. Like, it's, uh, all okay, but not all right. There hasn't been too many upsets to ruin your bracket, but... Duke almost put me into it. <laughs> Duke really gave us all scare last night. All right, as we bid farewell to Anthony. Anthony, thanks again. Thanks,
1: Mike.
0: We're going to continue with some college hoops talk. Up next, I'm going to talk to Don Morey from the Hartford Current. We're going to talk about the first weekend of the NCAA Tournament and his experience covering the games in Hartford right after this. Waters makes his move. Three seconds. Waters to the rim. Layup. Goal! 1.6! Maryland has no timeouts. Ayala, three-quarter court.
6: Equals madness!
4: So here he comes, Waters around the corner. And tell me if this isn't a difficult shot. But you know what makes this a
0: play, I am the smart play of Waters and the way he gets this shot off. Alright, and we're back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. That call you Cole her <laughs> hersey of CBS Sports, ian Eagle, and Jensen Arkle. LSU's tremont Waters with the game-winning bucket to bring the Tigers a sweet 16. Joining me today is somebody who covers college basketball for the Hartford Current and was in Hartford for, this, for the uh, first round games this weekend. Uh, Don Amore is here with me today. Don, welcome. How are you?
4: Great, Mike. How are you? I'm
0: doing very good. Before we get started on the tournament, and there was a lot to get to this mm-hmm. weekend, uh, you covered UConn hoops for mm-hmm. the current this year. So what was your first, just a quick opinion. There was a lot of UConn fans out yeah. there. So like, what's your quick takeaway on the year one of the Dan Hurley era for UConn?
4: Well, I think they made... They made steps in the right direction, but they were baby steps. I think a lot of people thought that there might be a miracle turnaround in the offing, especially when they beat Syracuse in the in the fourth game of the year. You know, they did have uh, a lot of guys coming back, and they had the best, you know, arguably the best player in the league, and Jalen Adams. But uh, I, I think uh, had Adams not gotten hurt, you know, they went one and seven in the games that he missed. Had Alterique Gilbert not gotten hurt? Uh, I, I think UConn might have been, uh, you know, over five hundred, perhaps an NIT team, and that would have been more in line with with preseason expectations. With those guys getting hurt, uh, it really was a difficult slog at the end of the season, and they ended up under five hundred for the third year in a row. But I do think that they made some strides. They 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 have more discipline. They they, they played harder. I think the program had really kind of come apart uh, in, in last year under Kevin Ollie. He's kind of putting the pieces back together. So I think. They made some strides, Mike. I think they're going in the right direction, but it's going to be more of a long-haul thing than maybe people uh, wanted to think a year ago.
0: Yeah, so you wouldn't anticipate them making like, a, tournament, a run around the tournament next year?
4: Well, it's going to depend on, on who they get to complete their roster. They need another big man or two uh, to kind of complete it. It's going to depend on how good their freshman guards coming in are. Uh, Jalen Gaffney, James Booknight. It's going to depend on Alterique Gilbert finally being able to stay healthy and be on the court. For, for all 31 or 32 games, they could be a bubble team next year, I think.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun for UConn. See, they haven't been in relevant for a while, so it's nice to get them back in the mix. Yeah,
4: three years is an eternity in college basketball, because when you have three losing seasons in a row, you're not in the conversation in March. Uh, it's it, Recruits kind of forget about you.
0: Yeah, they do, man. We got a, a, lot, a lot about UConn, but obviously there's a lot of basketball mm-hmm. to get to this weekend, yeah. so... Obviously, you were in Hartford. You saw, also keeping an eye on the periphery, what's going on with this thing. So what was the most interesting thing you think came out of the first weekend of this tournament?
4: Well, I I don't think it it was impossible to watch those games and not come away thinking, wow, John Morant. I mean, he really, really is a special player. I think whoever gets him in in the NBA, it's going to be a very exciting uh, rookie year for him. Uh, Only 19. He he has a tremendous charisma about him. You know, he's great with... The fans interacting with with the kids, particularly the young fans, he's got that great smile, that great look about him, and you know I just remember talking to like Gina Oriema and, and and Jim Calhoun about him. They were they were watching him and they were tremendously impressed, as was of course the fans. And, and 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 for for most of the the tournament, when they were playing, it sounded like a Murray State home game. So either the entire town of Murray, Kentucky, drove nine hours to Hartford. Or he won a lot of fans in Hartford. He he was really really sensational. Even though they didn't win, you know, Florida State a little bit bigger, a little bit deeper, just a better team. But it was hard not to come away from that saying, "Wow, I saw John Moran playing in person." People who saw that are going to tell their kids about it.
0: Yeah, I and mean, you were there for both for both of their games. The mm-hmm. first game, obviously, has the triple-double against Marquette. Yeah. The first one in the tournament since Draymond Green back in 2012. Like, yeah. you got do you got a chance to talk to him after that game, sir? Yeah, I mean,
4: he's a very humble kid. Uh, you know, he, he, when you see him on the court, you would think, well, this is going to be kind of a, a you know, this is he's a very confident and, and exuberant in the way he carries himself on the court. But uh, off the court, he's very humble and does not necessarily, you know, like to talk about himself. But I thought uh, you know, Gino Aiyem after that game said that he can get any shot he wants anytime, and he could get any of his teammates any shot they want anytime. Now, of course, that was against Marquette and not against Florida State, but uh, yeah, he he was he, he's a, he's a very likable kid in, in many many ways. He's going to be a a great face of a franchise for somebody.
0: Yeah, Nick fans might be hoping he's the face of their franchise. That they don't get Zion Williamson.
4: Yeah, I'll tell you what, he would he would. Uh, he would hit this town like a like a, a you know a cyclone if if he came to New York.
0: Yeah, i would be very excited to see if John Morant ends up here. I'm a Knicks fan as well, so it would be nice for them to get a true mm-hmm. franchise point guard. Frank Ntilikina has not worked out. I thought right, he would.
4: Right. You yeah, know, he he would be. I mean, I think he would make any team better right away. And and remember, he's only 19. So year two, year three. Are really going to be? I think are really going to be great. But I think year one would be good with him. He looks that ready.
0: Yeah, you said you talked to Gene Ariyama and Jim Calhoun about Mm -hmm. uh, John Morant. Do they have any comparisons like players that they've coached or seen that they they compared him to?
4: Uh, You know, Jim Calhoun actually brought up Marcus Williams, who had a short career in the NBA. But I mean, uh, Morant is is a much more talented player. Of course, he admitted, but he but he found it along those along those lines. But um, but even really they couldn't really think of very of, of players to compare him to because they just had not seen much. You know, that game against Marquette, maybe it was just a great matchup for him, but he looked so spectacular in that game that it was almost hard to compare him to anybody that, that you've seen. You know, uh, Leonard Hamilton talked about guys like Tiny Archibald yeah. and, and Muggsy Bogues and people like that, that that's kind of what he was like. You know, it's kind of a throwback to the day, Mike. You know, back in the day before you know, uh, the dunk was a thing, or before three-pointers were the thing, you gravitated toward the guys who were the the flashy, uh, fancy passers. You know, you watched guys like Pete Maravich. You watched guys like Bob Cousy. Those were the stars in those days, in the 60s and the 70s. And he's kind of a throwback, uh, you know, to that. You almost, you go to the game to watch him pass the ball, not shoot it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. 'cause I'm look I'm looking forward to seeing I'm looking forward to seeing more of him in the NBA next year. Yeah. The other set of games you saw in Hartford were the Villanova Purdue games and obviously Villanova's run comes at an end. They get yeah. basically shot out of the gym by Carson Edwards on uh Saturday night. So like what was your takeaway from watching Villanova? Yeah, close? well it
4: just wasn't their year. I mean they had they lost a lot of their team last year. They had a couple of seniors who who carried them, you know, Paschal and uh and, and uh, Booth. But it just wasn't quite their year. I think they got as much out of the year as they could. They won the Big East tournament. They got in there <clears throat> into Hartford and they kind of grinded out a win over St. Mary's, which is a very very tough team, uh, you know. And, and they showed a lot of a lot of the old a lot of the Villanova grit that we're used to seeing. Uh, but uh, Purdue was just too much. You know, Carson Edwards was just too much. And uh, you know, you, you're playing a team that went 16 and four in the Big Ten. And look at how many Big Ten teams advanced in the tournament. Uh, you know, you know you're playing somebody awfully darn good.
0: Yeah, Carson Edwards was scary in that game. The thing with Purdue, I've seen a lot of them this year. It's like honestly, if Carson Edwards is not shooting the ball well. They're not going to advance because like they don't nobody else on that team really scores besides him.
4: Well, you know, you you could say that about the best players on a lot of teams. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not unusual. But he was certainly shot the ball well on Saturday night. And if he anytime he shoots the ball that well, they're going to be awfully tough. They're going to be a tough out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that. Now you seen Purdue and you saw Florida State like get through like which one do you think is a better chance to make a deeper run?
4: I think Purdue does. I mean, I, I mean Florida State. Um, I mean they're a good team. They're they're a, a physical team. They're a really tough defensive team. And those teams do have a have a way of, of of advancing in the tournament. Much like some of the UConn teams that didn't necessarily shoot well, but you know they outshot Butler. You know that year that, that kind of thing. Uh, so they're going to be a tough out. But I think in terms of, of combining offense and defense and, and really being a little bit explosive, I think I, w- I, would, <clears throat> I would say Purdue might be, have the better chance to go further.
0: Yeah, let's move on for for a second here to the, the, mm-hmm. the game of the weekend, the Duke-UCF uh, yeah. game. I feel like everybody has an opinion on that game. So what was your big takeaway out of that game for Duke, knowing that they they were literally the ball having a little English mm-hmm. falling in the net. They were one shot away from being out of the tournament.
4: Yeah, I mean, really, uh, that alley-oop play was the, the thing. I mean, you could talk about the officials all day long, and, I, and I'm sure people will. But, you know, Central Florida had a really good chance to win that game without depending on... Getting any calls or anything like that, and they and they just they just muffed it. Central Florida is a very very good team, and I got I saw them uh, twice during the regular season. <clears throat> you know they have a seven foot six guy who who can play. I mean he's not just like a guy that just stands there. I mean Taco Fall can actually play a little bit, uh, and they've got you know really a terrific uh, kind of an underrated under the radar guy in Aubrey Dawkins, so the transfer from Michigan State or Michigan. Uh, you know obviously Johnny Dawkins, the coach's son. Uh, He, you know, he almost carried him by himself. He's a really, really good player. So I'm not surprised that that game was as close as it was. I I knew, I, I thought, you know, that Central Florida, UCF, was going to be a a very tough out. Uh, But you know, Duke is Duke, and they have just so many great players and so many weapons that. Ultimately, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take advantage of your opportunity to beat them, and if you don't, then then you know then, then you're gonna you're not gonna get a second opportunity.
0: Yeah, usually when you're in the tournament, usually like whoever wins, he has that one like white knuckler game yeah. where they have to like scrap by and get through. That might have been Duke's one one shot to get out in this tournament. I, you
4: know, very very true. You know, I covered obviously UConn's run in 2014, and they were as close as you could be to losing to St. Joe's in the first round, and then the next thing you know, they're in the championship game beating Kentucky.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You've, obviously, you've seen a lot of the American in that conference this year. They have mm-hmm. one team get through this to the t Sixteen, yeah. Houston, and they're playing Kentucky this round. And if they get through that, they have North Carolina. Do you think Houston can make a run to the Final I Four?
4: Don't sleep on them. I, they're they're very talented. They're very quick. They're they're extremely well coached. Kelvin Sampson uh, really has done a job uh, building that program from his first year. I think they had four. They didn't even have seven or eight scholarship players. He was playing with like six guys. Uh, but he's built it up pretty rapidly, <clears throat> and uh, they you know they do a lot of things right. They don't turn the ball over very much. They you know they're not going to beat themselves. And I think if they catch Kentucky in a night where maybe Kentucky's out of sorts, yeah, they could they can win that game. And they can <clears throat> you know the, the fact that they're not going to beat themselves is a really big big thing when you get this deep in the tournament. Teams that make the fewest mistakes often beat the teams that may make more plays but fewer mistakes, but, but too many mistakes.
0: Yeah, Houston, I think, may catch a break if P.J. Washington can't play for Kentucky because he's such yeah. a huge difference maker for that team.
4: Yeah, no, no question about that. I mean, that's another thing, too. Uh, when you get into this point, if you don't have all your pieces on the court, uh, you're know you you're playing unforgiving opponents.
0: Yeah. Iona learned that a little bit when they had the huge first half against North Carolina mm-hmm. and with their six players. And North Carolina came out after the break with about three levels of intensity. Iona just couldn't match it.
4: Well, Iona did itself proud. They you know, getting to the tournament after what did they start out two and nine, and yep. they they won that conference, and then they got in there, and they, you know, they, they showed up. I mean, they played well, they played hard. I think they they did everything you can ask of, you know, of, of a mid major, a MAC champ against against the kind of competition they were playing.
0: Yeah, the fact that they were leading at the half, it would, I mean, Twitter was going crazy during that game, and even UMBC was like tweeting out like all their support for Iona because they thought that they they could have a lot of fun. But UN, UNC just is, I think. I think they were my pick to win the tournament coming into it.
4: You know, we might be entering an era where the 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 days of you know fifteen beating two or or, or fourteen beating three, let alone sixteen beating one, uh, might start to come to an end. I don't think anybody's going to sneak up on anybody anymore after what UMBC did last year. After what Loyola Chicago did last year, I think that uh, you know some of these teams now, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, they're going to go into the tournament with a little different mindset, knowing that uh, they've got to play a, a fifteen or sixteen just the way they would play a five or a six. So, I, I think you might start to see that era of of, of uh, stunning upsets on Thursday and Friday in the tournament uh, start to those might become more rare. I have a feeling.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too, especially this year because, like, for the first time ever, we had I think all all the season of the top three lines made a Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think only two of the not top sixteen did not make it, which was Auburn and Oregon. Yeah, Those, don't, don't,
4: yeah, only one double digit seed is still alive, and and also. Uh, you see, fourteen out of sixteen power conference yeah. teams. So Houston snuck in there, and and Gonzaga, which is kind of a power team, even though it's on the a power conference. Uh, you just you just you know it's not a year for Cinderella.
0: Yeah, it was not a year for Cinderella, but it's a great year for the basketball purists. who going to see a lot of great action this weekend. So, like, what game are you most looking forward to seeing in the Sweet Sixteen?
4: You know, it's it's uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's kind of hard. I guess I guess I'm always interested in seeing uh, Duke because uh, of the star power that they have to see if someone can, can knock them off. I, I think I'm always really, really looking forward to, to seeing them play. And, uh, you know, in Oregon, Oregon always intrigues me. I guess in Connecticut, you say Oregon, yeah, yeah, right? That's yeah, how I say yeah. it. Uh, but they always intrigue me because their coach, uh, Dan Altman, is so good. And he, and he uh, you know, for him to be back here uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, was in the Final Four. And uh, I, I, always, I always look at teams that are, are like really well coached. And but the one, I guess because I've seen a lot of Houston, I, I guess I'm most interested in that Houston-Kentucky game. To see if Houston can carry the American Conference banner yeah. uh, farther than anyone has since UConn.
0: Yeah, for me, I think the one I'm most intrigued by is Oregon-Virginia. Just because, yep. like, Oregon is a team that, like, is red hot right now. They've won 10 games in a row. They were basically left for dead in late February. Yep. And they're 15-12, and, and now they've... 110 straight and they have the kind of river shooting where they get hot they can give Virginia a real run for their money. Yeah the
4: conference had a bad year the the Pac-12 was not very good this year and Oregon was the team that kind of rose above the pack and and kind of ran away the last the last few weeks Uh, and also you know if you're Virginia you know people kind of get a little bit tired of the upsets you know after last year I mean there's a lot of pressure on them I think to really to, to go somewhere you know before the window closes on them.
0: Yeah, their fans were starting to go nuts on social media after they were losing the Gardner Webb for a while there on on Thursday. But they managed on Friday; they managed to get through that all right. So,
4: yeah, they're losing by ten, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to believe that Mm -hmm. after what happened last year that they would that they would come out flat or come out losing by ten in that game. But they did. But they did get over it. They won the game, and uh, again, you know, as we said, once you kind of get over that little hump, they they might be good for a while now.
0: Yeah, they might be good for a while. So let's take a look at make some predictions here. Let's go to who do you think is going to get to the final four out of this group, and who do you think is going to end up winning the whole thing right now.
4: Well, I mean, I guess I'm going to be lame and pick uh, pick Duke. Yeah. Uh, to, to get to the final four. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the bracket in front of me, so I'm not. I, I don't want to pick teams that are going to be playing each other before that. Uh, but but I do like I do like Duke to get there. Um, I, I mean, I, to me, Houston's a sleeper. Uh, th- that could get there. Uh, I-, I think maybe you know, Virginia's time has come. I think that's a team that, that that I'm keeping an eye on. And again, I realize these teams may be playing before that. Um, but but th- those are the ones. I-, I don't know if I. I'm not a big prediction guy, Mike. Yeah. I mean, but but those are the teams that I'm really kind of taking a look at.
0: Yeah. So your gut would be Duke if you had. The, yeah.
4: If I had a pick, my gut would be Duke. I-, I think that they're one of those programs that, um, you know, nobody wins it every year in in. College basketball—it's too hard, uh, but they're one of those teams that, when they get to a certain point, you're not going to knock them out. You know, yeah. they're one of those programs like that, and and you know, it's it's in and every three or four years, it's going to be their year, and you kind of feel looking at this team that this might be kind of their turn. You know, yeah. it's going to be it's kind of like their year. Kind of has that feel? They've got they've got the the it player that everyone's talking about, uh, a dominant player, and he seems to be having come back from that injury. He seems to be kind of like Anthony Davis when he, with, uh, with with Kentucky a few years ago. Yeah. He seems to really be on a mission to to do this in his one year.
0: All right, there you have it. That was Dom Current, uh, Dom Warrior of the Hartford Current, talking college hoops. Dom, before we let you go, you want to let everybody know how to follow on social media and some of the stuff you're up to?
4: Uh, well, you know, I'm kind of winding down from from the season a little bit. Obviously, I'll be following UConn. Uh, UConn men uh, as they go forward I'm going to jump on do a little bit of UConn baseball Uh, they're doing very well right now and and uh, they could be an NCAA tournament team and uh, you know looking at uh, NCAA hockey a little bit we've got Quinnipiac in in Connecticut so I'm doing a variety of different things right now for the current and we've got of course minor league baseball coming up the yard goats kind of near and dear to my heart so I'll be doing a variety of things but obviously my number one priority is going to be following UConn and whatever they do on the recruiting front and whatever changes uh, happen on their roster.
0: All right. And people follow you on Twitter if they want to follow you. Yeah, you can follow me at
4: AdamoreCurrent, uh, A-M-O-R-E-C-O-U-R-A-N-T. As you know, we're the oldest continually published newspaper in the United States. And you can go to current.com, C-O-U-R-A-N-T.com. And all my, all my material on UConn Men and, and elsewhere uh, is there.
0: All right, Don. Thanks for all the time today.
4: You got it, Mike. Thank you.
0: All right, that was Don Moore of the Hartford Current talking college hoops. Up next, show me the money baseball over unders edition. Right after this.
5: Show me
1: money.
0: All right, show me the money is back for a baseball edition. We are doing baseball over unders today. Joining me to do the over unders for the year is a guy who is a perfect fit for this segment, a longtime baseball fan, longtime friend of mine, our legal correspondent Phil Freyata, who for his first appearance on the podcast back last July, talking about the Yankees. Phil, how are you doing today?
5: I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, good to be back. Thank you.
0: No problem. Glad to have you on for this because obviously this is a staple for the New York sports fans. Going back to the Mike and the Mad Dog days and they did the over unders for the season every year. So I know you're a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan, so I know this would be a good spot to get you on here.
5: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to do this. I used to uh, do my own over-unders when I was listening to the show back, I guess, over 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's hard to believe they've been off the air that long. Yeah, it's been a long time. But Mike still does it by himself. Yeah, it's not as
0: fun when you do it by yourself. I think it's more fun to do it with a friend. So what's we're going to do today, so we're going to pick three overs, three unders. And we are using odds from oddshark.com. We are recording on on Wednesday, March 20th, because there's only one game in the books at this point. The A's and the Mariners played one in Japan this morning, so we wanted to get as close to the start of the actual season as possible, but missed one, not a big deal.
5: Yeah, well, especially with uh, some of these free agents still out there, I guess you never know, these numbers could change.
0: Yeah, they could change slightly. I mean, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel may shift a a number, a, a win or two, but we're pretty much at the big point we are right now, so...
5: Yeah, well, we can't wait forever.
0: Yeah, we cannot wait for them to sign forever, so let's get started. So, Phil, since you are the guest, would you like the first pick in the draft year or second and third?
5: Uh, you know, I'll I'll take the first pick.
0: Okay, so you remember the rules. Three overs, three unders. So who are you taking with your first pick?
5: So I'm going to start with a under, and uh, I am going... Under on the Cleveland Indians is going to be my first pick, and uh, that's a bit of a bold one. But I'm going under on the Indians. I have them at 90 and a half. They won 91 games last year. I don't think the Indians are as good as they were last year. They lost Brantley. They've lost uh, Encarnacion, so I just don't think they are as good of a team. I still think they're going to win the division, but I because that division's terrible. But I could see them with you know, an 88-win season or something like that. So I think they'll be under the 90-and-a-half. They'll be a playoff team, but under 90-and-a-half. I, I guess I could definitely see the logic in that because the
0: Indians, like they don't have to do a ton to win that division, and the Cup teams did get a little better. The Twins, I think, did a lot of moves. The White Sox got a little harder to beat. I feel like the Indians could have a tougher time getting to, the, to that 90-win threshold.
5: Yeah, I just thought it was a high number, so I'm going under with the Indians. That's my first pick.
0: Okay, I'm up on the board for two picks. My first pick here, I'm going with and over on the board here. I'm actually going with the Colorado Rockies over 84.5 wins. I feel that number is way too low because that division is very winnable. They did lose a couple of guys in here, but they did make some shrewd moves. Bringing in Daniel Murphy is going to help that offense. And outside of the Dodgers, who in that division is going to be competitive? They could win a bunch of games against the Padres, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks. I think Colorado over 84.5, I think it's a slam dunk.
5: Yeah, I, I like that pick, uh, and if Daniel Murphy can stay healthy in uh, Coors Field, he's going to hit, because that, that guy can hit, and if you put him in a hitter's park like that, he's going to put up big numbers.
0: Yeah, that one is my first one to jump off the board. The other one, I feel like this number got way too high, so I'm going to take it and hope that I'm right that they, that they don't meet this number. I'm taking the Phillies under 89.5 wins because I don't think they have enough pitching to win that many games. That division is brutally competitive with the four teams in it, the Mets, the Marlins, the Braves, I mean not the Marlins, the Nationals, and obviously the Phillies. But I think that between all those division games, the fact that their starting staff is not as good as the Mets or Washington's, I feel like they are not going to hit that number.
5: Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Phillies are an under two. Uh, I, I they were on my uh, radar one I may have picked, so uh, I, I could. I definitely think they're an under. I think that's a lot of... They made some moves. They're definitely a better team, but you're asking for a 10-win improvement for them to cover. That, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a
0: huge improvement, and they were slumping down the stretch last year, so I'm not as confident in them. You are back on the clock for two picks, so you already used one under, so where are you going next?
5: So I'm going to use my over here, and I'm going over on the Milwaukee Brewers at 86 and a half. I, I do not understand what the Brewers did to drop 10 wins. They won 96 games last year. I think they're a very talented team. Yellich is one of the best players in the National League, quietly. Uh, and I just don't see why people, why Vegas uh, knocked down the Brewers so much. Uh, I tried to find any significant off-season losses, couldn't really find any. Uh, now they're also being rumored as uh, being close to a deal with Kimbrel. I saw last night, so... That would make an already great bullpen even better. So Milwaukee over 86-and-a-half.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I don't get what the Brewers did this last season. I mean, they were so close to the World Series. They lost in Game 7 to the Dodgers, and they didn't really do a ton, especially on the starting pitching end. So I'm surprised. I can see why Vegas knocked them down a bit, but like I can see they definitely could clear that number.
5: Yeah, look, uh, would I be surprised if the Brewers won 89-90 games? No, but 86-and-a-half is... The pretty low numbers, so I'm going over Milwaukee.
0: Okay, who are you going next? You have another pick coming up.
5: So I'm going to go under here, under on the Baltimore Orioles at 59.5. The Orioles won 47 games last year. I have no idea what they did to improve by 13 wins. I I understand there will be some. you, You would assume that they may win a couple more games because 47 is a historically bad season, but they're still in the division with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays. And they actually played the Yankees kind of tough last year. So you would assume that that may go back, and the Yankees could take 15 of 19 from them, get beat up also by the Red Sox and the Rays, I think under 59 and a half for the Orioles. Yeah, I talked about that
0: with them with the baseball beat a couple of weeks back, and it's just there's no hope there right now. I mean, they have no players in that team. There's nothing coming in the
5: farm system. It's going to be a long wait in Baltimore for a good team again. No, that, that team is that team's really – in a bad spot uh and yeah, i guess you just hope that they got a decent return on the machado trade because that was about the only asset they had
0: okay i'm back up for two picks i'm going to take another under here i'm taking the seattle mariners under 71 and a half wins i don't know how their number is that high because they got rid of basically everybody on that team who made any money was any good with the exception of mitch hanniger I don't know how. I know the division is not that difficult, but the A's, Angels, and the Astros are all better than them. And New Texas is too. So, like, I think Seattle is the clear last place in the United Division. I think they're winning in the mid-60s. I don't think they're going to be even close to 72 wins.
5: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Seattle is a, is a 100-loss team this year.
0: Yeah, I could not believe that that number was that high <coughs> when I looked at it. I was like, what, did, what team are they watching? Because, like, Jay Bruce and Engwin Arcon- Encarnacion are nice players. and not enough to win in that division. Not no way. Okay, I'm gonna to go to the overside as well. I am gonna be an optimist here. I'm gonna take my Mets over 85 and a half wins. I feel like that they are being a little underrated because they didn't go get the one big guy like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. But I feel like they have a more complete team as a whole. And like once Frazier and Lowry are back from these injuries, and assuming the pitching stays healthy, which of them is the key to everything, I feel like they're gonna be right up there and fighting for a wild card spot. I think 85
5: is too low for them. Yeah, uh and I I see why you made that pick. My only concern with the Mets is the Mets have no starting pitching depth whatsoever. If they lose Cindergard or DeGrom or Wheeler for an extended period of time, they don't have anybody who could step in and do even a decent job. That that's that's been their problem for a while. They, they they need those five guys to go out and make their starts every time. I personally think the Mets should have signed Gio Gonzalez. I think he would have been a nice uh backup arm for them to have and he's probably better than jason vargas to begin with
0: yeah i agree with that i feel like if somebody goes down i feel like they're not they're not saying it. i feel like seth lugo's going the rotation if someone gets hurt which is why i took him in our fan in the fantasy draft i had last night we got him late and i felt your like lugo is going to get getting rotation time as well
5: yeah i could see that that that's that's my only concern with the mets otherwise i do think they're a pretty solid team i'm just i, I want to see those three pitchers the top three guys make 30 starts this year
0: Okay, you're back on the clock now. You have used two unders and one over, so where are you going to go next?
5: So I'm going to give you my last under first, which is the Cincinnati Reds. I don't know why the Cincinnati Reds have a 79. Uh, I know they made some moves. They brought in Sonny Gray and Yasiel Puig, but I, I cannot see the Cincinnati Reds being an 80-win ball, uh, ball club. They are still ways, ways away from being a competitive team especially in that division where I've already told you how I think the Brewers are good I like the Cardinals a lot I like the Cubs I just can't see the Cincinnati Reds competing in that division
0: yeah I like what I like the fact that the Reds are deciding they wanted to go for it but they're sort of like they went halfway they didn't actually go all the way in and say you know we gotta get like, a big guy in here sort of competing like they never pick up the phone from Machado or Harper they weren't even in on some of these like second tier players like AJ Pollock of the World. I feel like if they had gone a little further, these moves would have made more sense, but right just doing what they did by itself I don't think was enough.
5: Yeah, and this is a team that won sixty seven games last year. So you're you're asking them to win thirteen more games. I don't think they made thirteen wins of improvement.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. So you have two overs available to you. Where are you going with your first one of those?
5: So my first over that I'm gonna take here, and I've wrestled with this a lot, but there's one that I like and one that I'm a little hesitant on, so let me give you the one I like first, and that's the Oakland A's. Uh, the, they have the A's at 83 and a half. Oakland won 97 games last year. I know that's easy to forget because they got uh, taken out by the Yankees real quick. But a 97-win season is a is a good season. Oakland can hit. That, that team has a lot, a lot of good hitters. I, their starting pitching is mediocre, but they do do the – opener thing and they were able to use that effectively so maybe they're not a 97 win team again but 83 and a half is a pretty low number i could see the oakland a's hovering around 90 wins yeah
0: i don't understand how i mean i get they lost lowry they lost luke croix they lost a lot of relievers but like is that enough to drop them 15 wins
5: i don't think so and they have some very very good hitters and matt chapman's one of the best players in the game he's an underrated player but uh, if you ever have a chance to watch that guy play third base, he plays an unbelievable third base, and he can hit.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like that as well. I'm going to make my final two picks. I'm going to start with my final over. I'm This is one of my, my teams I think is underrated. They made some solid moves in the offseason. I'm taking the Texas Rangers over 71 wins. I feel like that they have made a bunch of shrewd acquisitions. They bring in, they brought in a Cabrera Cabrera play second base. They brought in a guy like Hunter Pence to be depth in the outfield. They made some good veteran additions. I feel like their younger players are going to start to come together. I feel like also they will compete well with with the Angels, with the Mariners, with Oakland. I feel like they're going to get into the mid seventies pretty easily. I think I take Texas there for the outside shot. I they actually I make a run if everything clumps together.
5: The only thing I'd be afraid of of Texas is that they are. Playing the Astros 19 times and you're playing Oakland 19 times. Yeah, but so those are some teams that could beat up on them a little bit.
0: Yeah, I could see, definitely see that where I feel like Oakland has gotten worse enough that Texas will be more able to split <coughs> those games, opposed to the, being the 14 uh, 5 split you could get with the Astros series. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And my last one, I feel like they're going to have a down year, so I'm going to take this one here. I'm taking the Chicago Cubs under 88 and a half wins because I don't, the Cubs really did absolutely nothing this winter. And you have the lingering concerns about Chris Bryant's shoulder, if he's going to be healthy again. You had the whole off-the-field incident with Addison Russell. Their pitching staff got looked very bad at the end of last year. Leicester fell off a cliff. You, Darvish, is a disaster. And, like, they really didn't do anything to improve that team. And, like, they barely got in the playoffs last year. So, I, with the more competitive division, with the Cardinals, with the Brewers, with the Reds getting better, I can see the Cubs being – falling closer to the mid-80s as opposed to, like, being a 90-win team.
5: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one. uh I- I do like you, Darvish. I think he's going to have a bounce-back year. But I agree with you in ge- in general about the starting pitching. And th- the Cubs are really the team that should have really could have gone out there. And if they brought in Bryce Harper, it'd be a totally different story.
0: Yeah, and Bryce Harper wanted to go there for a while, I believe, but they just have no interest in him. I feel like they they sort of maxed out their cap, their salary structure there, so they can't they can afford to add him to what they already have.
5: Yeah, I, I do think I I agree. The Cubs are also they're they're riding on the a few years ago, and I understand they brought up a lot of these prospects at the same time, but a lot of these guys actually haven't panned out if you look at it.
0: Yeah, Kyle Schwarber's been a disappointment. Uh, Javi Baez was disappointed until last year when he finally broke out. Russell has not been great even before the suspension. So, like, there there are a lot of questions in Cub land.
5: Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, you are up for
0: the last pick in this draft. You have one more over left. Where are you going?
5: So, I'm going to do over on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 77 and a half. Uh, The Pirates quietly won 82 games last year. They brought in Chris Archer. They have Tallison, who's a a big, big talent, big arm. I think the Pirates could have a solid starting pitching staff. And because I agree with you that the Cubs are a a bit down and I think the Reds are a bad team, I could see the Pirates going out and winning that 80-game mark again.
0: Yeah, the Pirates are always a sneaky team. It's like they're not a full rebuild, but they're sort of like doing a reload. And like I know Gregory Polanco is going to miss like a portion of the year with the shoulder injury, but like they have some sleeper talent on that team. Like Josh Bell was a good player. They have a decent pitching staff as well. I could see the Pirates being a pesky team and getting doing better than people expect.
5: Yeah, that that pitching staff when you when you take a look at it, it they they can surprise some people. They really have some good arms there.
0: Yeah, one thing. I, okay, to recap the draft here. My picks, I took the Colorado Rockies over 84.5, the Phillies under 89.5, Mariners under 71.5, Mets over 85.5, Texas over 71, Cubs under 88.5, Phil went with the Indians under 90.5, Brewers over 86.5, Orioles under 59.5, Reds under 79, A's over 83.5, Pirates over 74.5, right, the last number? That's right. Pirates over 74-and-a-half. Those are your picks for the baseball over-unders on this edition of Show Me the Money. One thing that was interesting, we didn't, neither of us took the Yankee number, which I believe was 96-and-a-half. What are your thoughts on that number?
5: So I think the Yankee number is a, is a good line from, uh, from Vegas. I, I didn't take it for two reasons. One, I don't want to be a Yankee homer. But also, uh, I'm a little concerned about this Severino thing. Because anytime I hear something about a shoulder with a starting pitcher, that concerns me. So, and when you're looking at a number like 96 and a half, too, you, you, it's hard, easy to forget. But if the Yankees win 95 games this year, I don't think anybody can say, "Oh, what a bad season." 95 win season is a very good season.
0: Yeah, for me, I feel like that number was sort of right on the nose. Which is why I didn't touch it either because I feel like that's sort of where they're going to be. Depending like. It, obviously, they, there's more potential for the under-Severino was out for longer than a month, but like I feel like they're going to end up right around 97-96 wins, so that was too dicey a number to take taking this.
5: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. 96-and-a-half is a lot. Same with Houston. That's, that's why I'm not touching those. All
0: right, before we go, I know you're a big Giant fan. Obviously, Dave Gellman's been shaking out the whole roster this year. Let Wyndon Collins walk. Odell Beckham gets traded to Cleveland last week. I talked about it on the show last week with Joe D'Aulizio, so what did you think? Is the plan here? What do you like? What he's doing? Or are you against it?
5: I'm firmly, firmly against it. I've been against Dave Gettleman ever since he passed on Sam Darnold, uh, and I was in the minority at that point. But I think now the tide is starting to shift. I have no idea what Dave Gettleman's doing because I don't think Dave Gettleman knows what Dave Gettleman's doing. He's telling us that trading Odell Beckham was a football decision. I, I cannot believe that the Giants think that trading Odell Beckham makes them into a better football team, but maybe Dave Gettleman does think that. And One thing that I've heard from a lot of people is that, well, the Giants are rebuilding. But if you're rebuilding, why do you have a 38-year-old quarterback, and why are you trading one of the best wide receivers in the league who was in his mid-20s? Wouldn't you want to rebuild around that guy? It makes no sense to me. So what I think they're going to try and do is I think Dave Gettleman's going to try and put out a team out there that, relies on a running game and some short passes i think he's going to take a pass rusher at number six and he's going to try and compete and i'm afraid that that plan is going to be successful enough to get them to the six seven win mark and all of a sudden you're looking at the you know 11th pick and you're not getting a guy like Tua at 11 yeah the only way i think it can work is
0: like if you decide to trade back out of 17 and somehow recoup an asset and get one next year where you have two to try and trade up but like I don't like what they're doing either. I have no idea what the logic is of letting some of this great young talent walk out the door for basically, like,
5: nothing. That I don't think there is. Um, it, it seems like it's a culture rebuild, and I, I don't really understand it. And don't be surprised if you see the Giants trade back into the end of the first round. I could see them making a switch with New England to try and jump in and get Daniel Jones from Duke or something like that, I, I, and I think that would be a disaster. All right, there you have it. Phil, thank you for all the time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Uh, glad to be back, and uh, looking forward to uh, the season.
0: Yeah, it should be a great season. We wait way too long without baseball. Hopefully, we won't get too many bad weather days in April, and actually get to see a lot of these games play out.
5: Yeah, and and uh, and just uh, real quick, I don't really count today as a game. I understand that they was a regular season game today, but I don't like this opening the season up in Japan. Nobody can watch the game.
0: Yeah, nobody can watch it, and I feel bad for the. Uh, Seattle and Oakland fans who have to get up at 2.30 in the morning watch their team's first game of the year. Yeah, that's, that
5: baseball should not have let this happen again.
0: All right, so thanks, thanks again, Phil. We'll talk to you again
5: soon. All right, thank you, Mike. Have a good one. All right, that was Phil Freyetta with your baseball
0: overrunners for Showing the Money. Up next, the first-ever edition of the Fan Forum. We're going to talk New York Met baseball with a bunch of Met fans right after this. Swinging a high fly ball. Well hit right center. Herrera on the run. At the track in front of the fence. He jumps. Gone. A home run. A
4: three run homer for Michael Conforto. And the Mets have busted open to a 9-4 lead. Conforto with his third hit of the game. He's driven in six runs. It's his 26th home run of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, announcing the return of Michael Conforto.
0: All right, we are back on the Just the End the Suffering podcast. That, fo- that call I guess hers is hers, courtesy of the great Howie Rose on WR last year. Michael Conforo driving in six runs out the Mets beat the Phillies in September. I am gathered here today with a bunch of Mets fans. We are going to break down the Mets on the podcast, go through some of the big issues, the big storylines going on with them right now. First up, back from the beginning of the show, Will Schneiderhand is back from the baseball beat, and he brought some friends with him. Will, how are you doing again? Good, good. All right. Also with us on the line today, calling in is Martino Puccio. We have not heard from since January. Martino, how are you doing today?
6: Not bad. Not bad. Getting ready for baseball season this week. Should be exciting.
0: All right. Martino is here as well. And last but not least, we have a new voice to the podcast. Another Met fan who I've known got to know recently, but she's making her podcast debut. Jill Venditti is on with us. Jill, how are you?
7: i am doing very well uh super excited for baseball to finally be back in new york as you know many say we're back in the new york groove guys
0: we are back in the new york groove let's talk some met baseball the first ever met fan forum so obviously we're through the off season they finished spring training today dom smith had a walk-off home where it helped the mets win their final exhibition game in sarasota so looks like the team's coming together i'll start with with you martino how do you feel about this team entering the season
6: Actually feeling pretty better about them. I mean, they have really no major injuries. They survived that scare with Wilson Ramos. Um, The bullpen really looked like the team that it's been taking shape. Pretty much all the hitters have been doing well. The fact that Pete Alonso and Tom Smith were having a bit of a competition, they weren't hesitant to call out Pete They They repeated that they wanted to bring their best 25 to New York, and I think they've done that. I think the only thing that you could really get a little upset about is the fact that they didn't really resolve the Jacob deGrom extension issue. But just from a performance standpoint, all you could really ask for is that everybody's healthy and looking well um, through the end of March, and I mean, yeah, because there have been a lot worse marches with Mets in the recent
0: <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Will, we'll go to you next. So what do you think about the Mets entering the season?
2: Uh, pretty, Martino pretty much hit. Everything on the head, like where I was at. Um, I like the fact that these position it was battles, right, for each position. It wasn't like someone just won it outright because they're both miserable and someone had to win it. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, yeah, healthy, healthy enough. Frazier and Lowry, we'll see. Um, I love the bullpen, too. I, I, you know, cautiously optimistic. It's the Mets. You never know. Uh, I'm not going to jump in there and say we're winning 95 and go to the World Series, but I'm happy to see that we're healthy. We look like we're going to be competitive, and that's all I can ask for right now.
7: You know, I I have to you know agree right. with the consensus here. Um, I have a really good feeling about this season. Not as good as I did uh, back in 2015, but definitely good enough for a good run towards the end, especially. Um, I'm probably more excited looking forward to or looking forward to. Alonso coming up to the big leagues, um and then bringing back Familia I think was really smart. uh The veterans, veteranship he brings to the, the team is going to be great. And then um I'm also want to look, or I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Diaz and Cano can do in the NL. That's going to be probably the most interesting thing for me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this team just because number one, they actually built a. I know they didn't get Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, who a lot of people were not thrilled about that, but. There's depth on this team. I mean, they got to, this week they just sent down Carlos Gomez, Danny Hacheveria, Gregor Blanco, Rajai Davis, all went to the minor leagues. And those are all guys who have been upgraded on anybody from the bench last year. You guys remember the Kevin Kazmarski era <laughs> when he was coming <laughs> off the bench in, in June? Yeah. Jose Bautista, Jose Reyes' corpse. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Let's go to the next big story here. Obviously, Noah Syndergaard has some stuff to say yesterday. Before we dive right into that, let's hear what he had to say about Jacob Degrom's contact contract situation.
3: I think Jake's best pitcher in baseball right now. I think he deserves whatever amount he's worth. I think, uh, I mean, I want him to keep him happy. So when it does come time for him to reach free agency, he stays on on our side, pitching for the Mets. Um, I just think they should quit all this fuss and pay the man already. Because of what you see in. what's going on with baseball right now If like there wasn't a trend of other guys getting contracts extensions then i don't know what the circumstance would be but you can see like chris sale verlander those guys getting extensions i think it's time jacob gets one too
0: all right let's go around the horn here a little reaction to that martino i'll go first (laughs)
6: um i think he makes a very valid point i mean you look around the whole league and and it's not even just the guys that are deserving of the contracts. you know like the chris sales even the verlander considering how many miles he has on his arm like maybe Noah's kind of indirectly talking about himself too because him and zach wheeler are two guys that should be up for an extension because there's guys like alex bregman out there um he's getting a hundred million dollars um we saw Luis Severino get, get a nice deal, uh, especially a team-friendly contract as well for, you know, five years, $50 million. The fact that it, it, they're dragging this on with the best pitcher since, oh, I don't know, Doc Gooden on their team, the fact that they haven't done anything to take care of him, I mean, come on, like, he's two years away from free agency. Just get the extension done now. If the Houston Astros have no problem with giving just Verlander $33 million a year at their age, yeah. and especially with Chris Sale, considering um, the kind of velocity scare that he had at the end of the season. Those are the two teams that won the 2 past World Series, and they had no problem committing to that. Okay? The Mets in 2015, they made it to the World Series. They didn't spend more to get better, to get over the hump. That's really been an issue, and I'm sure the three of you would agree with me on that. It's just, it's just really obnoxious at this point. He's right. Just stop with all the fuss. Pay the guy. Lock up your other guys already before their value goes to the roof. I'm always like, "Oh yeah, but what if they get hurt?" But what if you look at it like, "Hey, what if they pitch really well and they hit free agency and they're going to be demanding more than the 10 million a year because to compare to Luis Severino's contract, that's a pretty good barometer of where you would be looking to give Noah Syndergaard or like that and are able to get Digram anywhere between 25 to 30 million dollars free agency at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I mean, they blew that in 20. They should have extended before last year and now they're paying for it. Jill, what do you think?
7: um you know i i I agree with martino on on the entirety of his point it's he's the stud in baseball right now he's the guy he's the best pitcher we've had in decades um but you know i think to kind of put myself in the mets shoes i think what they might be thinking is at his age you know if you give him a long-term contract he's going to be in his you know mid-30s and we know what happens to mid-30s guys in the mets they kind of go downhill and the contracts you know go to waste um but i think he has more than proven his worth with the team But I also think out of everything that kind of came out with yesterday's or the last couple of news that's been going on with this situation, I really am happy that Syndergaard has vocalized his opinion. I think the way he did it was fantastic. Doing it in a public forum like that puts pressure on the Wilpons to do something. This front office has to wake up and realize what DeGrom means to this team, to the fan base, to baseball in general. Yeah,
0: well, what would you think about that, about Noah actually taking the time to go public with his opinion and his frustration with the team?
2: Well, like, he, obviously he wants, you know, to see his teammate get paid, but he's not dumb. <laughs> you know, he's doing this for his own self, too, because, you know, he wants to get paid. He wants to get extended. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, it's like both, both Martino and Jill said, you know, just pay the guy what he's worth. And also it's just the fact that what are you waiting? It's not even the fact that, like, listen, like. If they had no
6: problem giving Kanodama. Yeah, yeah. They had no it, problem making a trade for a guy who clearly it, just got suspended for PED. Yeah, yeah. And forget if whatever Seattle and ses- paying, you saying. Know, they had ses- no problem.
2: Yeah, that. and it's also like, what are you going to, like, if you wait until he's a free agent, just don't even pay him by then. What are you going to give a, he's, exactly. like, if he's... he's. It smells like Jose Reyes you
6: know Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> seems, it seems like they're not even going to make the trade. They're just going to yeah. let him walk for nothing. It just makes he's too much gonna go sense. He's going to go away yeah. to a team. God forbid he goes to the Phillies. Like, what if the Or Philly's even worse, up? even
2: worse goes to the Yankees. Like nah, ima- Phillies are worse. Imma- but that's a different debate. Imma- imagine, <laughs> like it's just like what do you like? It makes so much sense. Do it now, five years, like you said, five-year, six-year deals. Do it now, like on a day, like it's even not, less ugh. than
7: five, six years.
2: No, nah, I, mean, I don't I, think he's he's not, not going to sign. I think for he's going to take at least five. Yeah, I mean. it's going
5: to be. But five. Least, if they
7: start off with like a three, four-year, and then you know they negotiate from there, I think that's even make the effort to make a contract it depends
2: it well, depends, depends what definitely, I'm sure, for a year though yeah i'm sure they've offered there's definitely been a number on the table there's definitely been a number yeah. 5 is what he's going to do i mean 3 doesn't isn't really beneficial i mean at that point like just wait till he's you know walking but i, I just do it. Get it over with and sign him because you got to do. You know, there's more things to do here. Like, look at Wheeler. Like, there's so many more things you have. They you have to focus on than just Degrom. So get him locked in. The guy's the face of the team. Let's go. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll talk about. We'll talk about the top of the show with Anthony. We were talking about like maybe we thought that the theory. I I agree with the theory. Is that they were sort of talking about it. Remember last week Jake said he was positive. Then Chris Sale's contract just comes in off the top rope with a 5'145", and then both sides kind of recoil a bit like, whoa. And Jake's like, I'm worth more than that. And the Mets are like, we don't want to give you that much money. I it's think like, that's yeah. the theory going on right now. It's
2: like Martino said, like, Sale's, you know, banged up. Like, DeGrom is fresh, relatively fresh to, compared to all just of these guys. Just came one of the yeah. best seasons yeah. in the past hundred years. Yeah. And they're
6: still hesitant. I, like, I don't understand what their point is. And, exactly. and he came up late, too. He doesn't have the same sort of mileage oh, that these other pitchers have. Like not even close.
2: You know? I think he's about like six hundred innings less on his arm compared to Chris Sale, which is like ridiculous. Like what do you for? Or to, you even know? compared to yeah. Verlander. Oh, even more in, so. Yeah, 30, he just
6: thirty-three yeah. million a year. I mean, like come, on, like it's just ridiculous. And the fact that we could even go back to the Cespedes story too where he talked about his heels was, were a lingering issue that the Mets knew about prior to the contract that yeah. they gave him. <clears throat> so if they knew that Cespedes was a guy that had an injury like that, but they had no problem giving him the money, and they know they're getting that in money back from insurance from Wright, and yeah. him, that the fact that they're still not willing to do this. Like, this should be done already. If this was any other competent team, nobody <laughs> has an issue with paying this guy. No, for Like, sure, come on, yeah. like, what like what the hell are they doing here? Yep. This is it's the same crap all the time. Yep. And, and the fact that we've talked about this, I, I don't mean to cut anyone off, but this is the same thing where they mentioned they were hesitant. You guys discussed this on this podcast before that they're hesitant to get burned on contracts with guys in their 30s for millions of dollars before. But they're not the only team that has gotten burned on contracts like that. So I I think they're just making up excuses at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is that the Yankee fans? Kobe Elzer hasn't played about three years. Right? I mean, how many
6: times have the Yankees given out contracts, but they've been fine? And, and, yeah. and you know what? We talk about the small markets all the time. A team like Houston, how much money do they really have? They lock up all of Tuve, they lock up Breton, yeah. they give the money to Verlander. Like, come on, you really think they're going to be pulling in the sort of money where the MLB is making record revenues that they're not able to pony up this money? This is a a massive fan base. We saw what happened when they went to the World Series a couple years ago. Like, they take the city by storm when they do this sometimes. You know, I understand it's the Yankees, like, no one can rival them, but at the same time... There is money to be made if you have a good team out there. Yep. Like how many times, like in 2016, how many times did you see an empty city field after a team that just won the pennant and pretty much kept the same core? Yep. People weren't going because they knew that this team wasn't invested in winning. <laughs> and the fact that they keep showing this years later, what, what is that going to do? The seats are going to remain empty and they're not going to make any money. So you might as well pay up and try and fill up the seats. Like it's just ridiculous. Well, that's I'm why sorry. they're doing
7: all these events now because they yeah. they want all this money. You know the golf thing. You yeah. know all they announced it was it a couple <laughs> of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, Some I mean, of that stuff yeah. was first of all ridiculous, but it kind of it kind of reminds me of James Dolan in a way. They're more mm-hmm. enwrapped lately with the, uh, the, the extracurriculars. Thing. Yeah, the yeah. extracurriculars is right as opposed to the actual diamond in the rough. I will say team. at
6: least Dolan pays up. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. If Dolan, Dola money, no if problem.
2: Dolan owned the Mets. I, and they've said on the fan, WFM4, we, Bryce Harper and Machado would be, be, both most, would both be
6: here. I, oh yeah. Yeah. I say it all the time with the Johnsons, too. Yeah, Christopher yeah. and Woody Johnson own the Mets. They have no problem dishing yep, out yep. Dishing out the money all the time. It's I mean, they're penny pinchers. And it's funny because I've seen Yankees fans get upset that they didn't get Harper and Machado. And they're calling their owners penny pinchers while you cross the freaking <laughs> oh, yeah, street. That one of yeah. the and, biggest and, jokes like, in my on. lifetime. Like, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but go ahead. This is... I'm going to just drag on <laughs>
0: yeah. at this point. Yeah, Jill, let's also talk about the fact, I mean, DeGroff's his own issue because he's in his 30s, and then the, he's not going to freeze up to 32, but, like, why are they doing what the Rays and the Astros do with some of these other younger guys? Like, why are they going up to Michael Conforto or Syndergaard saying, hey, let's extend you long-term, keep you here because you're young and you're going to be part of our, our core? Uh,
7: you know, lately, the last couple of years, I've learned to really not think too much about what they do because nothing makes sense of what they do. Really, like, really, the only thing that I can think of is that they're afraid that with the right contract, which is the most recent one, where he got the, the whole stenosis thing happened and that contract came to nothing. That's I'm not sure that really fully answers the question, but that's the only thing I can think of because i It just stumps me. I can't. It's a brick wall that I can't get through sometimes, and I kind of resolve myself to not trying to come up with a reasonable excuse for why they're so reluctant to sign a stud like Degrom
0: or even Conforto, who I think is going to be a big-time player on this team.
7: Can,
6: yeah. I, can I actually say something about Conforto, by the way? And, I, and I've read this um, a couple of months back with John Heyman mentioned this, and we know that Heyman has good connections with the Mets, and he usually gets that kind of information from them. But he was saying that they were kind of reluctant to even extend Conforto beyond his rookie contract, that they weren't completely sold on yeah. the kid. And, and, and to me, that's hilarious because, you know what, this is the same stupid team that's reluctant they give a guy like that a contract, but they had no issue rushing him back from an injury a month and a half before that he was supposed to be back. And, and, Mike, you said this all the time before, too, and this is an important stat. He had more RBIs than Christian Yelich in the month of September. It took him a while to come around, and they're trying to make it up as an excuse. Like, oh, this guy got hurt in a freak ass. Like, these are freak, freak injuries that these guys get hurt by. Like, David Wright getting spinal stenosis by going to tag out Carlos Lee at third base is a freak accident. Like, that doesn't happen. If you're scared by something that could, that could happen like that, then you shouldn't just walk outside of your house because a, a plane could fall out of the sky and crush you on your head if you're going to think like that. like Why even live at that point? Like, I, I don't understand the line of thinking. There always seems to be some sort of excuse every single time we come around to the Mets paying somebody.
4: Yeah,
0: the Mets sort of have this mentality. I've talked about it with Will and Anthony a couple of times in the baseball beat, too. They sort of have this belief, like, you know, like, everybody's doing this. We're going to do that. But they don't have the track record to say we can do that and win. They haven't shown that yet.
7: It feels like they're uh, plugging up the holes in a burst pipe with scotch tape as opposed yeah. to, like, actually fixing the hole. And it never works. And they think it's like literally the definition of insanity. They're doing the same thing. But in different situations and thinking that it's gonna come up to a different solution and it's not working.
0: Yeah, and as far as this cotters with the goes, before we wrap, we wrap this up before we move on to uh, Synagar's other complaints, because he had a few more grievances he aired the other day. But like the thing I point out is just the fact that like they sort of like just view this whole thing, I feel like this is, all comes back again, as Martinez said before, to the ownership because last year when Brody Van Wagner was the ground's agent, he said, pay him or trade him. Now, you don't think he got the job. Say, so, you know what? No, nah, I don't want to pay him anymore. That is definitely above his head. This is not Fred. Ruddy. It's not to, It's Fred. 100%. But let's move on to Thor's other complaint of the day, which is this ridiculous trip that they're taking up to Syracuse for a workout after they play the Orioles today in Sarasota. Let's hear what Syngard has to say about that. Where are we going again?
3: Going You're not going. Not going we're going to Sarasota and then to Syracuse. And then, and then no, going. we're not going to New York. You'd think we'd go to New York to get, like, as adults – our things our affairs in order but no we got to go to syracuse first i don't know i don't know whose idea that was but it's not a smart one in the words of the great vince lombardi
0: what the hell's going on out here what is going on with this
2: organization right now what's usually going on right (laughs) i mean i mean does this make any sense to anybody no. Yeah, I don't blame him at all for what he said because yeah. obviously other people were say- I've heard that um, other players were approaching Mickey and saying, like, this was dumb, too. It's like, what do you expect? They're going to go down to DC now, lay an egg. Like, <laughs> yeah. Going to Syracuse to just go hold a practice in the carrier dome is like this the dumb. Like,. Like, do they think people in Syracuse don't know who the Mets are? Like, don't know what baseball is? Like, oh, let's go up there and show them who we are. Like, no, none of those players are ever going to be there either, I just, I just,
6: I just can't help but think that there's just this stupid, weird connection to, to launch Tim Tebow's AAA career. Oh, right? I mean, probably, you're probably <laughs> not I just wrong. Feel like there's just some, I, no, seriously, I feel like there's some connection. Like, what else? What is the point of this? Why would you want to travel more? Why would you want to make your team more tired after they're just about to start. Oh, yeah. Where they were just preparing. Like, what is the point? Like, he's not wrong. Like, I have nothing against Syracuse. Whatever. It's a nice city. Cool. That's great. <laughs> but it's irrelevant to this. We're starting a baseball season. They need to be prepared. There's just... They cause these unnecessary distractions upon themselves. You know, like, there's the first time they have no injuries, guys are playing well. And what do they do? They make contract issues. They have to go to Syracuse before the season starts against the division favorite, in my opinion. So what the hell are they doing here? I don't know. Like, no Mets fan ever has the answer. The first thing that you know, the first rule as a Mets fan is that you know nothing.
2: Yep,
1: yep.
6: Okay, you can't explain anything. You just have to go with the flow. There's no shock value to anything. You just it, it, it is what it is, and and you could see hear it in Noah's voice too. He's not surprised by this. He's like he realizes anyone who's, who 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 made came up with this idea is probably not the sharpest mind, and they probably shouldn't be in the organization. So, yeah,
0: yeah. This this thing is just you could just tell like this feel like they're just setting up to have a dark cloud over this team because this whole thing with not paying Degrom and. Syndergaard is the most pom-pom-waving Met on the team right now, I think, besides Nimmo. Like, he always is, go Mets. He went on social media all winter and was like, don't trade me, guys. I want to stay here. And now he's coming out and criticizing the organization? Something's going wrong in there.
7: The only thing that I can think of with this whole Syracuse trip is to um – you know, debut the Syracuse Mets and everything. That's that's literally the only PR stunt I can think of that makes somewhat of a but sense. But the,
2: the team's been up there. Like yeah. that team's been there, so yeah, it's just it's like a different affiliate. Yeah, which it's is now like, a Mets affiliate, instead of like, a National who, affiliate. Yeah, like what? Who gives? Oh, who
5: cares? Yeah, exactly. Who
7: cares? Like no one, no one watches minor league baseball oh really, unless well, if it's you're a, a scout. It's
6: all about the way the Mets are able to get more money, and oh, this yeah, is yeah, the way yeah. the Wilpons no, invested yeah. <laughs> in Syracuse. <laughs> They want to bring their team up there and say, hey, look, the Mets are here. Yeah. You should become Mets fans. Exactly. Buy our merchandise. Go see a Syracuse game. Go watch Tim Tebow. Give us money that we won't invest back into the real team that is going to be going on the field. And, and you know what? It's just really tiring at this point because you are putting a dark cloud on it. And, and um, I, I do, to your point about Syndergaard, I think what he's upset about uh, is the fact that they bring in a guy, Brody Van Wagner who he had a relationship with, you know, it's this whole out-of-the-box hire that the Mets made. Like, who? maybe the Mets are turning a page here, you know. They're going outside of the box. They're bringing in a, a GM like Brody Van Wagner They make they made an ambitious trade like that. Maybe they'll spend some money on on the trade market. But no, they don't – I mean, some money in the free agency. They don't do that. They're doing more stupid stuff. And to him, it's just – maybe to Noah, it's like, hey, this is just more of the same crap. It doesn't really matter who we hire. The thing is going to be the same at the end of the day. And hell, the Mets are probably not going to pay me what I'm worth down the road. I did, that's kind of probably the way he looks at it. And honestly, that's the way I look at it,
4: too. All
0: right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to more Mets right after this.
4: So one out and one on, and Pete Alonso will come up. Alonzo drives one deep to center over the head of Pache, and it's out of here. Pete Alonzo on the first pitch he sees in spring training displays the power that Met fans have been salivating for. A two run homer in his first spring at bat from a player with 36 in the minor leagues last year. And the Mets have tied the game at two.
0: All right, we're back here in the Met Fan Forum. That call you just heard of the Pete Alonzo home run, courtesy of SMY's Gary Cohen. And we are back here with Will Schneiderhan, Jill Venditti, Martina Martino Puccio in our Met Fan Forum. Let's start. Let's go a little more positive now after we bashed them in the last like five, 10 minutes about the Noah Syndergaard comments and stuff like that. So let's go to some interesting stuff that come. Is this team opening day. So obviously the big headline right now is it looks like Pete Alonso is making the squad opening day. The Mets said screw service time. He's going to be on opening day for his basin. Jill, how do you feel about that decision?
7: Yeah, I'm really happy about it. Um- For a while, I was more so leaning towards Dom because I don't think Dom really got a good enough chance to show what he has. I think he really got the short end of the stick. You know, the whole thing of playing left field was a big, you know, a big uh, slap in the face. Um, But back in I want to say it was August or so when Alonzo started to really uh, simmer down or finish out his uh, minor league uh, season for the year. I had written a piece for Metsmerized and. One of the downsides to him is we all know is his defensive play, but I think he's starting to get to a point where he's more comfortable on the field, and I think he just needs more time, more work. And I think, I think he's shown that he does deserve a crack at it. You know, no pun really yeah. intended there, but uh, I think he deserves a start. Sad to say, because I was really riding the Dom Dom Smith Express.
3: Well, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think it's burying the lead. I think it's Mets. I think it's Brody being like, "Oh, we're doing this." Hey, we're not going to extend to but we're doing this. Yeah, right? I, I think Alonzo – I, I mean, part of me thinks that. Like, what? Alonzo deserves it. He's played well. I do, like – I do want to see Dom get a chance. But as we mentioned before in the podcast, there's such a lefty, heavy lineup. Like, they'll find a way to get Dom in there. Alonzo's going to come up and hit a bunch of homers. It's, like, whatever to me. Honestly, I, I'm not, like, elated. I don't – you know, he's a baseball player who's going to play – hopefully play well for the Mets. I'm not, like – overcritical of it, it is what it is, but, like, I'm not, like, one of these Mets fans on Twitter who, you know, it's like, yeah, they burned the, the you know, he's here, they're not going to play that game, like, no, whatever, <laughs> like, I, if he wasn't here, I wouldn't have cared either.
0: Yeah, I feel like, honestly, with that, it's like, I don't, doesn't really bother me either, because, you know what, like, who cares about the extra year, just friggin' extend him at some point, if he's actually good. Yeah. That's the whole thing, it's like, it's not rocket science, if he's no. great, you sign him long term, if he's not, you don't worry about it. Martino, any thoughts on Alonzo before we move on?
6: Um, Yeah, I like the move, but you can't help but think sometimes in the back of your head. I'm not trying to be negative here or anything, but <laughs> do, they, do they come up if Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier are healthy? The answer, maybe no. Yeah,
2: probably no. So, yeah. I,
6: mean, I, I like the fact that they did bring him up. Despite that, I think Dom does deserve a chance. He kind of would like to see one of the two get reps, but like we said, there's injuries. So one, one of the two is going to be sitting on the bench. I have a feeling it's going to be Dom. I don't think he's really uh, Mickey's favorite. Um, and I think the organization really prefers Pete. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, ho- hopefully they produce. I mean, there's not much else you could ask at this point.
0: Yeah, well, Dom could have it left field for all we know. That's also a possibility.
7: He does have experience over there.
0: Uh,
6: yeah, just like Duda in left field, right? Sounds fantastic. <laughs>
0: yeah, as as Will said earlier, the Lucas Duda, Daniel Murphy, right, take three. Ike, Ike, Ike Davids, Ike like David. Like David. yeah, yeah. Dom, like don Smith, out in left field. That might be a way they look to extend the lineup. Martino brought up a second ago. They're going to be without uh Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier on opening day. Do you think the lineup right now is deep enough without those two guys? I'll go you. I'll go to you first, Will.
2: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I like. I honestly like Todd Frazier wasn't offering anything to me. Uh, like he, you got what he got from him. Jed Lowry though, I, I, I would like to see what you're going to get from him, but um. Uh, J.D. Davis, some of these other guys. Like, I, I think you yeah, got guys you can plug and play. You have your core guys there of Cano, Conforto, Ramos. Um, but yeah, this is like a lineup we haven't really seen, right? Usually it was like three guys, and phew, Jose yeah. Reyes. <laughs> yeah. Martino, anything any on the lineup depth?
6: Um, you know what, I thought they did an actual solid job of that. I thought Brody did get creative with some of the things he did. I'm not sure if he had to do it trade-wise. They could have just obviously spent a little bit more money. That goes without saying but, I mean, considering the injuries that they have, I, I thought they'd done a solid enough job. I think a lot of it depends on if Robbie Cano's good to go and does Rosario take the next step. Otherwise, I, I like where they're at.
0: Yeah, and Robbie's had a tremendous spring. He's been killing Oof. the
2: baseball this spring. Yeah. that bat's going to play.
7: You know, I think I have to agree with, with you guys on this one Uh in its entirety, I, you know, Frazier really wasn't much of a spark there, um, so you're really not missing much with him. Lowry, I think I, I would like to see more out of him, but naturally you can't see him for a while, um, so I don't really have an opinion on that per se. But um, yeah, I think Alonzo will fill a hole when it comes to power because we don't, we still don't have that power guy, and yeah. Alonzo can be him, but I think he needs more uh, maturation before he can fully be that guy.
0: Yeah, apparently they're thinking about hitting him two, which I'm going to be very fascinated to see how that plays out. It'll that's like be the interesting. new three, you know? Like the yeah. new the, two's, the new four. Yeah, Cespedes yeah. Yeah. yeah, they put Cessna there a lot last year. Yeah. Was he- when he In the t- in the month and a half, he was healthy, so that's worth keeping in mind. Let's go to the pitching for a minute. Obviously, we know what Jake is. Noah, we got a pretty good idea of what he'll be if he's healthy. But the question to me is are we getting the same Zach Wheel in the second half that we got? Are we getting that guy again in 2019? Martino, do you think that's actually a possibility that we're going to get a very good, consistent Zach Wheeler again, or is he going to get, go back to inconsistent, trouble-throwing strike Zach Wheeler?
6: I've always really tried to give Zach a fair shot. You know, he pretty much missed two full years with Tommy John surgery. He came back. It takes a little while for him. I thought Dave Island and Mickey Calloway did a great job with him. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any denying that. But you, you can't help but be hesitant. That he's gonna have to be able to put a second year like this together. I know his contract's gonna be up soon. He's he's pitching for that as well. Um, I, it's really tough to say. He really was one of the best pitchers in the National League oh, in the yeah. second half of the season, right? I, there's no really real debate on that. I think he will be a really good number three. To say he'll do as great as he was in the second half might be a little far-fetched, but I do think he will live up to the building of one of the better number threes in the NL. So yeah, I'm confident in him in that regard.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with every, everything you just said. It's, you know, like, <clears throat> don't have to pitch to a 3-3 or whatever he did, but yeah, he's going to be one of those, a guy you give the ball to, because you've seen it in baseball today, you need to at least three guys to even be, be able to contend, so. Yeah, I mean, one thing people don't realize that in the second half last
0: year, his ERA in the second half was lower than Jacob DeGroms. Yeah, it was yeah. 160, I think 168, and DeGroms was 170 in the second yeah, half.
6: Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. That's a, that's a lot to ask to repeat, but if you get something like you know like 2.5 ERA, I think that's definitely reasonable for a good amount of the season, not the whole time, you know? All
0: right, let's move on to the bullpen for a minute now. Like Obviously, they overhauled that bullpen significantly. They brought Familia back. The big trade, they bring Diaz in here. Justin Wilson comes in. Lugo Gazelman is still there. Louis Avalon made the team. The seventh spot, that's still kind of a question mark. But, Jill, do you like what they did in the bullpen?
7: I do. I mean, from before they made all these moves, I was looking forward to seeing Gazelman again in the closing spot. I personally kind of liked him. I know it's, it was roughy, It was rock, uh, rocky. It was rough. It wasn't the best fit there. But you have to think about it, too. He's going from pitching once every four days, five days, to pitching Every other day, every two days, whatever. So I, I was really upset at first, but thinking about it more, I like Familia, like I said, coming back brings that veter- veteran leadership there or that experience in the organization itself, not just baseball as a whole, but he knows how the Mets work. Um, and I'm excited to see Diaz. I really, really am excited to see him. My whole perspective has changed since that whole move was made. Um, but I think Gazelman would be a good 6, 7, Familia 8, and then Diaz 9 is what I'm thinking
2: yeah i, I mean gazzoman's kind of like lugo right that guy's gonna stretch it out uh exactly. kind of there you know like swing start so on and so forth uh you kind of make his diminish his role which is better for him uh yeah and then familiar is one of the i was pissed last year when they kind of traded away for nothing because that guy can go to that guy can close that guy can set up very versatile yeah you got edwin diaz i mean i don't expect him to do what he did last year but he's still going to be a guy that can get the job done in the ninth it, it's night and day difference right i mean yeah. they went bargain hunting for years in the bullpen now i mean you could say they did the same a little bit as far as like the second tier guys avalon's going to be good um i I'm really, the least, that's the least I'm concerned is is the bullpen. Yeah, my one concern here with the bullpen is I like the group they have,
0: but I feel like they missed an opportunity to go get one more big, like, eighth inning setup kind of reliever, because right now I think your third best reliever out there is Seth Lugo, and if somebody goes down that rotation, Seth Luka might have to come out and go into the rotation yeah. to fill yeah. that hole, which means then your bullpen is short again, and then you're relying on your Tyler Bachelors of the World to Especially come Especially Drew
2: Smith getting hurt, that kind of sucked.
0: Because <laughs> I feel like that was a mistake. I feel like they could have, if they could have gotten somebody like an Adavino or like, even doubled doubled down and gotten Andrew Miller right after hey, Familiar. There's
6: still a guy out there that they could get. Yes. They <laughs> the money. Yeah. But Will they do it?
0: That guy's not. That guy wants to close though. He's not going to close here. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just bust the balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go to our let's go to our manager for a second. here, Mickey Callaway in his second year on the job now, being being overseen by a guy who did not hire him in Brody Van Wagen. He brings in Jim Brinkleman to be the new bench coach. He brings in a bunch of changes to the coaching staff. And my question to everybody is here: gut feeling, if, if we get to late, we get to Memorial Day, and they're like five games
2: under 500, is he out the door? Yeah. Jim, R- Jim Riggleman, sorry, Jim Riggleman is not the bench coach. He is Mickey Callaway's replacement. That's why he was brought in. There is, un- I mean, undoubtedly, right? Like, why yeah. else? Yeah. Oh, he knows the National League. Blah blah blah. No, it's if Mickey does it again, goodbye. He's done.
7: I think just to kind of like be the optimistic person that I am in the room over here. Um, I think what it comes down to too is he's always going to be in the hot seat, no matter how good of a season he has, because it's New York. There's no no one's ever going to be good enough. No one's ever going to replicate the 2015 historical run they went on so no matter what he does he's always going to be you know in the limelight in the hot seat
0: yeah my issue with mickey is just like honestly like everybody was singing his parade after 11 and one last year and then like from mid-april till about like early july he was like one of the worst matters in the league like with all of his decision making was so bad and like he was saying all these strange things i wanted him fired in the middle of last year i was so down on him but like
2: well, he has such a short yeah. leash this year. it's not even. Yeah. i mean I, yeah, I, I would, even if they're successful. Like I don't even know, man. I don't think he's sticking around. Yeah. He is. He's an odd guy. He doesn't really know. He like, talks to me. He doesn't even know anything at has, all. Yeah. Like I, it, no, I, I can't see him sticking around. Riggleman's a guy who has been there, done that. Slot him in, veteran coach, and get the job done.
0: Martino, any thoughts on Mickey Callaway's longevity with the Mets? I'm actually the most
6: positive out of all of you. I think That's I think a a, as a rookie, yeah, I know, right? Um, I don't know. He's a rookie manager. I think there was a lot to ask of him for a team that just really wasn't able to compete last year. I, I think they were asking too much. I think in game he was horrendous. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the guy didn't even fill out the lineup correctly, um, so yeah, let's not forget yeah. that. That was in Cincinnati, ironically enough, where right. Riggleman used yeah, to be. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, he did a really great job with the pitching. I thought him and Ireland did, did a fantastic job with that. I just think some of the some of the decisions, you know, like playing Reyes all the time, I think that was above him. I don't really think that was on him. To do that, I think we know the relationship the Will Pons had because we saw that story, and they want to give Reyes a good send off. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, Memorial Day might be pushing it. I think if this team's under 500 by All Star break, like a good 10 games, and looking like they're out of the playoff picture, I think I think they make the move then. But I think Memorial Day might be a little premature on that. I know Brody came out publicly and said he he backs up Mickey and and he likes him, but I mean you can only say so much, you know. I mean, he's on thin ice, dude. I mean, I, I just think he, his ice is a little thicker than some of you guys think.
0: Yeah, he brought up Cincinnati for a second. Remind reminded me of something I wanted to hit on before, which is this whole bizarre situation with Devin Masarocco going on right now because he signs a minor league <laughs> contract with the Mets, does not make the team, uses upper mobility clause, to try and get claimed by another team. No one takes him. So the Mets basically say, we're going to AAA. They're saying you AAA. He says, screw that. I'm, I'm not showing up. I'm going to retire. And then the Mets today signed Rene Rivera. to be another catching option because, according to Anthony DeComo, they're going to place Mesrock on the restricted list instead of releasing him. So, as, as Vince would say, What the hell's going on
4: out here? Like,
0: what
2: is the situation? I mean, they both look terrible in this situation. I, I just, it's so, like, I don't know why he – I would have just kept him on the – like, I don't get why he's not on the roster to begin with. Like, he caught the he caught the staff well. The pitchers were familiar with it. The Grom the, loves him. And the Mets are like, ah, let's play this game because I like to, I will never under. I don't think I have hated a Met more than I've hated Travis Darnell. <laughs> I mean, useless, just a useless player. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be, but he is useless. I don't know how this guy has got so many like chances on this team. And I mean, yeah, the Mesuraco thing. Look, like, as far as that, yeah, that is odd, but. Oh, my God. Just, God, Travis Starnow.
6: It's a backup catcher. Like, enough with it. Just figure it out. If you don't want to play fine, get out of here. Get someone who wants to be a Met. Rene Rivera is a familiar name. He's probably the best backup catcher yeah, they now have. I like, catcher. I like Rivera just keep coming them. back, yeah. Just keep him. You know, it's it's a tiring issue. Like, if you don't want to be here, fine. The ground pitch very well. Before you even got here, anyways, you don't have as much leverage as you.
1: Rivera think you have.
2: Rivera caught them well too in in six or was it sixteen or yeah, it seventeen? Was, it was personal catcher in sixteen, yeah. So I mean, it's not the end. Of, yeah. That was more because Synegar couldn't hold a runner on too, and he still can't. <laughs> he still can't. He yeah, still can't. yeah. I think this whole thing is just so funny because both
0: of these sides, the Mets and Mezora, are just being extremely petty in this situation <laughs> because. Masaraka literally, I mean, he knew what he was signing up for. He signed a minor league contract, and no one wanted him. They literally offered him to the 29 other teams, and they said, thanks, we're good. And instead, he said, I'll next. Yeah. Pretty much. And then they said, you know what? And then he's like, you know what? Fine, we'll take my ball and go home. We don't want to go to AAA to sign of the deal I agreed to. So I'm with the Mets a little bit, but they are being paid. Just release him and just move on with your life. Don't create more drama. It's his, it's his, necessary. Destiny,
6: to be, it's his destiny to be as dramatic as the guy they traded him for.
0: So. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> pretty
6: much where I'm at with
0: like that. Okay, let's go on to one my, well, my last questions here. Let's go around the horn. i I'll start with you. Who do you think is the X factor for this team in 2019?
7: All right, I've been waiting for this question this entire time. I have four that i'm really gonna be watching the most um i think the two of the more obvious ones i'll save for last but i'm gonna be watching conforto and nimmo the most i think they're a good pair they're a good duo um i, I love nimmo's personality i think he's great for new york in that sense i think he brings a change and nice breath of fresh air um and conforto i think it's gonna be the first season of him really being fully healthy fully being in everything and i'm excited to see what he can do i'm gonna watch the grom you know, he's, all, he's an all-around stud. See what happens with him next. But I think the one I'm going to be watching the most and have my eyes on all the time is Syndergaard. I think out of everyone, he has the most to prove, and he has the farthest to fall.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's a great great X-Factor guy because I feel like he's a guy who could just come out this year and win the Cy Young. Exactly. He, if he's healthy, I mean, we saw in 16 how good he can be, and like, I feel like we saw at the end of last year he was coming out at the end of the season. He could make, carry that over and go, go, go forward from there. Martina, who is your X-Factor?
6: Ooh, Jill, Jill made a really great point with Thanks Noah so much, there. Um, I like that, but I'm going to go with Ahmed I think That's, that's exactly this,
2: like, who I was going to say, too.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, man. I, this guy was one of the top prospects in baseball. I think he's shown some real flashes towards the end of last season. Um, he's very young, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I try not to harp on him too much. But he's really got to perform. If this team really wants to contend, if they think, they're able to win 90-ish games and get a wild card spot or, God forbid, listen to Brody and say they're going to win the division. Um, I think, you know, he's got to be the guy that does yeah. it. He's the X factor in there in the middle. of the, I'm not concerned about Conforto. I think Nemo's going to get on base. Robbie Cano's a future Hall of Famer. I think Alonzo will, will be well, um, but it's it's all on Ahmed, you know? If Ahmed can really ascend in that lineup and and, you know, like get out of like that eight hole and get into more towards the middle of that yeah. lineup and be very productive, I think that's where you could see the Mets win around 90 games. Oh, yeah. if He has a great season.
2: Okay, he's so dynamic too, yeah. you know. he get up there, he's got some pop, get the gap, speed. speed. I mean, I, I think I, right when you said it, I was like it took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say Wheeler too just because you can, you yeah. know, you know, kind of know what you're going to get from Syndergaard to Grom. You need that third swing guy, but, oh, man, I tell you, like, if Ahmed can even get that on base up to three thirty slash like two eighty, yep. I mean that is that is huge, and he plays a decent. I mean he it's weird his it's defense it's a is twenty homer, yeah. too. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know what I mean like that's fantastic. I think if he like Martino said, if he plays well, that lineup just goes to another level.
0: Yeah, I have one. I'm gonna throw out there. I'm surprised none of you have brought him up yet. I'm say I think Wilson. No, I'm not gonna say no. Wilson actually. I think the guy to watch here if yeah. this is this is the guy I feel like a. They are going to win the division. And this is what Brody said I have to do. He said, "Come get it. We're going to win the division." That guy is Stephen Matz. Matz okay. needs to be healthy. He does. Matz needs to take that leak that Wheeler took last year and become more 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 than just the talented injury-prone guy. He needs to be able to get out there, make 30 starts, pitch to like a like a 3-3 ERA like we're aiming for with Wheeler this year because if Steven Matz can join that tree on the top of the rotation. The Mets are going to be very hard to beat because they their lap is much better and their team is very good. But if Matz is giving them duds Lucky you. Like, like, like every other time, and we know Jason Vargas is basically smoke and mirrors, and we're waiting yeah. for him to just fall apart. But if Matz is the fourth guy, they're going to have a great shot to win the division.
7: Well, I think the thing with Mats and even Wheeler and, and why Wheeler turned around so well is that they need the confidence. And I think... They haven't again, like the like Dom Smith. They haven't. That they haven't gotten their chance, but they haven't really been given the confidence boosts that they needed. I think Matts needs more time, and he needs to stay out there. And you know, my dad and I kind of you know analyze you know the pitching staff a lot, or look at them a lot. He was a pitcher himself, so he you know he thinks about like kind of how he would handle it, whatever. Um, and he says, you know, in the losses where Matts is not doing well, keep him out there, make him you know work, go work, through it, yeah, work, work through it.
2: Yeah, but he's self-destructive.
0: And that's the thing I, too. I. I, I I think I think honestly the issue with him I think it's a lot of his mental because they talk right, yeah. they talked last year about this with him and like he just has this whole ability to like sort of obsess over the one mistake yeah. and then exactly. let the one run inning turn to a three
2: run inning. Well, he's, or, you exactly. know who he is? He is John Neese with better stuff, right?
7: I almost forgot John Neese happened.
2: No, that's okay. who Steven Matz is. One hundred percent. He's so self-destructive. Ugh. Okay,
0: just to clarify.
2: Martino is
0: Martino had to run, for, so he had some technical issues on his end. So, I also want to give him a shout out on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at Martino Puccio on Twitter. Keep an eye out for his Mariano Rivera documentary. He has kept an eye on throughout the working on throughout the semester. So that should be coming out later this year. Last but not least, I still have Will and Jill here with us. We are going to make some predictions here. Do you think they make
2: the playoffs?
7: Will you go first?
2: <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, earlier in the podcast, I said I think they sneak in there in that wild card. I think the Nationals are still going to win that division. Good pitching, good contact hitting, speed, everything. And the Mets, I think they're right. I think the Mets are going to fall around right where that over under is with them. I think there will be an 86, 87 win team, barring any crazy trade deadline pickup or catastrophic injury. Uh, I think that's fair enough assessment of them. I think they are going to be better than the Phillies, but I'm not going to go and say they're winning 90 plus, going to win a division. Uh, I think they are still like second tier behind um the nationals.
7: I think you know uh in thinking about how twenty fifteen went, the nationals were supposed to be better than the Mets and they were better than the Mets for the better half of the season but they made that run in august so that's what i'm keeping in mind too this this team feels a lot like that team to me in a way
2: like they're missing that one piece yeah, yeah but I, they're not gonna i don't think you think they're gonna, you know what i mean like they're not gonna go out and do that
0: though yeah like, i don't know if they
7: can really I think do it they don't have the prospects
0: they, and they're, they're not gonna add the payroll I, th- I don't think i think they're hoping you want to assess is that piece again yeah, yeah but i don't think
7: true, he can right. though that's the thing like, well, honestly well, he once he has policy. that heel thing i don't think he's gonna come back the same no but um I think, like Will said, second place team, that's what I'm thinking so far right now. Uh, wild card push. I, my bold prediction was, I'm not sure if you guys saw on Twitter the other day, my bold prediction was wild card win and then make it to the championship series uh, and win that, I think I said. But either way, they're yeah. going to win the wild card, I think. They can, or they can at least win that far. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be a World Series year, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I, I, I check. I texted Martino. as now just to check on him. He says they're gonna make the wild card, so he's actually being optimistic there. I also think they are gonna make the second wild card. I think they'll do just enough to get by the Phillies yep. and Braves. I think they're gonna have to go to Coors Field and play the Rockies in Colorado for that wild card game. So, yeah. And again, we can end up with Jacob Degrom pitching in a one game playoff against Colorado at Coors. That'd
2: be that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, like we said before, it'd be wild, but.
7: <laughs> I think this year, just another prediction or uh, assumption on how the season's going to go, um, I think it's going to be a tight race this year for the first time. Like, a really, really tight race for the first time in a while. Because it feels like the last couple of years it's been tight, but not, you know, all that tight.
2: Because yeah. it has been bad. Yeah, like,
7: they're, yeah. They're, there's really been no competition after the three. But I think this is the first year in a while where we have four good teams that can all be within a couple wins of each other.
0: Yeah, and then we have the Marlins. are going to lose 105.
7: They're going to do nothing. Yeah. Um, so I'll be surprised if they even win, you know, a fraction of what a good
0: season yeah i'm excited to see how this all plays out because the mets one thing we've noticed over the last decade or so they're either really good or really bad there's no 82 win season in here yeah. it means either they're gonna be, make us very happy and going to the playoffs or they're gonna win another 73 games again mickey's gonna be gone We're looking for a new manager in about six months but that's all the time we have for today. Will, Jill, thanks for all the time. Will, before you go, you want to know how follow you on
2: Twitter and some of the stuff you're up to? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, y- you know, as per usual, it's at Will, S C H N E I D R H 1, on Twitter. And uh, like a. Like nothing's really changed since I was last on here still pumping out the fan-sided articles uh NFL stuff probably going to jump into a lot of NFL draft stuff and might even uh dip my toes in some baseball as the season k- uh kicks off huh? starts not kicks yeah. off
0: <laughs> Yeah you're you're thinking you got that football on the brain It right is now. I know I'm yeah Jill how about you how do people follow you on Twitter if they want to keep up with you
7: don't judge, guys. Me and my Twitter handle when I was like 14, but it's at d w r i g h t i s l o v e five. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't really haven't really been tweeting too much lately. Um, like I've, I've said a couple times on Twitter, I am working on my uh, retwittering, as I like to call it. Rebranding. My, yeah, my rebranding of my Twitter account. So um, also my my blog is the sports bra, and that's bra with an H. Uh, yeah. So find me there. I'm working on rebranding that in a way, too, and coming back. I haven't really been posting too much. I've been kind of absorbed in basketball, so I'm trying to get back into baseball the way. I have been the, my entire life so far. So, yeah, catch me there. I'll be back fairly shortly, and just keep tuned.
0: And with that handle, we understand why you made the Met Fan Forum.
7: I mean, come on. Are you really surprised? <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Thanks for all the time, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guests, and there's a lot of them, so I have to go through everybody. I want to thank Don Amore from the Hartford Courant for coming by to talk March Madness. Anthony Sorbellini, Will Schneiderhand from the Baseball Beat talked about that. Will also is here for the end of the show with Jill Vanditti and Martino Puccio breaking down the Mets in the first-ever Fan Forum. And Phil Freyetta stopping me by making over-under bets for Show Me the Money's Baseball Edition. If you want more of stuff like this podcast, including my five big takeaways in the first round of March Madness, be sure to check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Somebody searching for Just And The Suffering in the podcast store. And the podcast is also now available on TuneIn and Stitcher, so you can find Just And The Suffering on both of those platforms as well. Feel free to leave your feedback, and star ratings are how make the show even better going forward. You'll also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag FanForum if you made it through this week's show. Next week, do more baseball, more college hoops, work on some other good stuff. Hoping to get all that out to you next week. Until then, I'll give you a better week than UCF Nightman's.